Hey, everybody. What the fuck is up? Uh, comedy dates I got coming on. First of all, my Netflix special is out right now. Um, it is called Triggered, and it came out Friday, the 21st. So it's out now. The reviews have been amazing, so I'm psyched. Thank you very much for everybody who enjoyed it and, and tweeted me and sent me uh, Instagram and Facebook messages. I'm so happy. Couldn't be more happy. And if you come to see me between now and, I mean, actually, from Friday on, all new material. So I did my first headlining set Sunday night at the Comedy Magic Club with all new shit that's not on the special. Ooh, is that stressful? Ooh, but it worked out. And it'll get better from here. Um, next dates that I got that are available. I, Massey Hall sold the fuck out. Sorry, bitches. Um, the Orpheum Theater uh, for New Year's Eve is almost sold out. I don't think there's very many tickets left at all, so don't sleep. That is with Joey Diaz and Tony Hinchcliffe. And um, that's, I think that's all I got booked right now. Because I'm, I'm, I'm just doing a lot of, um, a lot of work, you know. I'm going to work, bitch. I got to write. This episode of the podcast and all of them are brought to you by Onnit.com. Onnit, which is a sponsor of not just this podcast, but of my two guests today, Kevin Ross and Gaston Balanos, two of the top Muay Thai fighters in the world today. And uh, we sponsor a ton of athletes and um, we're very proud of that. And we're very proud of what we've been able to put together. What, what Onnit is, what the company is about, is our, our motto is total human optimization, whether it's optimization through motivation, through the Onnit Academy link. If you click on that Academy link, you will find all sorts of cool articles on mindset, on exercise physiology, diet, exercise, workouts of the day, different recipes and things along those lines. There's also an Onnit Academy, which is uh, in Austin, Texas, a fantastic gym, state-of-the-art equipment, great classes and instruction, and 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. But on top of that, not just an inspiration and, and providing an environment for people to train in in Texas, and eventually we're going to go all over the place with these, but all of our different supplements that we have are all things that we have found to be extremely beneficial, whether it's alpha brain, which I don't do anything without. If I'm doing anything that requires me to think or form sentences or form sentences, like what doesn't require you to, if you're going to talk, it's better for it. And it's not just better, it's proven better. Two double-blind placebo-controlled studies at the Boston Center for Memory have shown benefits in cognitive function, benefits like increased access to memory, like your verbal memory, which is, um, you know, your, your ability to remember the right words. Um, that seems like nothing, but you know how there's days where, like, I say like too many times. I can't do that. I heard some lady talk to some guy at an airport yesterday. And I almost lost my fucking mind. She, like to her, was every other word. Like this, like, I was like, he's got to like, I'm I'm seeing like stars, like, I'm like, I can't, like, I can't do this, like, and I'm like, whoa. So I have to stop. I have to stop liking. No more like. I mean, you know, you know what the fuck I'm saying. Uh, check out Alpha Brain. It's dope. It's important. It works. And all of our supplements have a 100% money back guarantee. Um, they work. They all work. The reason why we have a 100% money back guarantee is because because they do. We want you to try them out. We don't want to rip you off. We want you to go, whoa, this shit does something. It actually gives me a benefit. If you don't feel that's the case, you don't even have to return the bottle. You don't have to return the product. Just get your money back. 
uh, strength and conditioning equipment. We're all about that. We're all about things that promote functional fitness, functional strength, like kettlebells, battle ropes, steel maces, uh, things along those lines, things that translate directly to athletic performance. I could go on and on and on about the healthy foods and supplements and all the groovy shit that we have it on it, but the best thing to do is to check out the website. Go to O-N-N-I-T, use the code word ROGAN, and you will save 10% off any and all supplements. We're also brought to you by Squarespace. If you've heard this podcast before, you will know that I'm a gigantic fan of Squarespace. I love what they have done because I was a guy who for a long time, luckily my friend Andrew is a badass uh, website developer and he did a lot of my early websites, but it's it's hard to find someone who has the kind of artistic vision that you have or you sync up together or they can create something that's what you're actually looking forward to getting as a website. You don't have to do that anymore. Squarespace has it completely dialed in with Squarespace. They have an easy to use drag and drop interface. If you know how to move some files around on a computer, if you know how to add a photograph to an email, normal basic stuff, you can make an incredible website with Squarespace. We did a a Squarespace website contest a while back and the websites that people had created with Squarespace were fucking fantastic. They were gorgeous, beautiful websites. You also have access to Getty Images. I mean, I don't know how many fucking images. I think it's millions. And these images would go normally for hundreds, if not thousands of dollars for a licensing fee. You can get them for 10 bucks through Squarespace. You get a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Each website comes with a free online store that has seamless commerce tools. It's really easy for you to track inventory. You can process orders and you can send custom emails in one intuitive interface. Interf- interface. I got through that so good before fucking up that word. How did I fuck up interface? That's not even a hard one. Anyway, online stores, uh, also 24-7 customer support, and each member of the customer care team is an experienced Squarespace user working in a Squarespace office. Squarespace is the shit. If you need a blog, a landing page, uh, a gallery, or an online store, it's all included. Start your free trial today. Go to squarespace.com forward slash Joe to get 10% off your first purchase. That's squarespace.com forward slash Joe. We're also brought to you by my all-time favorite underwear, Me Undies. When do you ever have underwear that are so fucking good They refund you your price if you don't like them. Try them on. And if they're not the most comfortable, best-feeling underwear you've ever had, they will refund you and let you keep your first pair for free. Come on, kids. They're that good. I wear them every day. I wear me undies every day. It's all I wear. I had this conversation with Mark Maron. We were laughing about it. He was like, are you wearing me undies? I'm like, I do. Do you wear them? Guys, guys who are fucking podcast hosts wind up like going, oh yeah, these are the best underwear. They're the best. They're fucking awesome. They're made of something called Modal. It's a special fabric made with best in class raw materials that are scientifically proven to be three times softer than cotton. Scientifically proven, according to them. I don't know what the fuck that means. How do you prove softness? Is there a metric? They have a softness scale. They're soft as shit. They feel great. They feel great on your package, folks, and they actually, they wick moisture away from your genitals. They have the same um, patterns. You can, you can buy 
a matching pair for men and women. Ooh, boy. We can wear the same undies, honey. <laughs> and they're sold exclusively on the Me Undies website where you'll enjoy free shipping in the U.S. and Canada. Now, for a limited time only, everyone in this audience can get 20% off their first order. But you have to go to our special URL. The website is MeUndies.com forward slash Rogan. With Me Undies, better day guarantee. You have nothing to lose. So don't wait any longer. Go to MeUndies.com forward slash Rogan right now for 20% off your first order. That's MeUndies.com forward slash Rogan. My guest today are Kevin Ross and Gaston Bolanos. They are two of the top Muay Thai fighters. Uh, Muay Thai, which um, also known as Thai boxing to a lot of people, is uh, a striking martial art, like one of the most effective ones and one of the uh, key components to mixed martial arts. And uh, these two gentlemen are two of the best fighters in America today and two really intelligent, really interesting guys that I think are excellent at um, not just fighting but also shattering some stereotypes that maybe some of us have about what it means to be a fighter and why someone would want to get involved in something like that. Really enjoyed talking to them. I'm big fans of these guys, and uh, I felt like it was a great interview. So enjoy. Kevin Ross and Gaston Bolanos. Joe Rogan Podcast. Check it out. The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day. Joe Rogan Podcast by night. All day. Gentlemen, we're live. What's up? What's up, brother? Boys. What's up, man? So nice to have you guys on, man. Um, it's, uh, it's nice, first of all, to... Uh, it's, it's nice to have you guys in studio, but it's nice to have Muay Thai, which I've been a giant fan of for so long. I feel like it's starting to get more ground in America, and we've done our best to try to promote it as much as possible on here. And it's been frustrating for the longest time for me watching what I think is like one of the most exciting combat sports in the world, yeah. and it's sort of kind of slip under the radar. Uh-huh. Yeah, man. When golf... It's taken off. <laughs> Fucking golf's everywhere. They had a uh, Scrabble on uh, ESPN one time, and that was just gut wrenching. That Scrabble? Yeah. Well, it is a sport. It's well, a, lot, a lot of training involved. <laughs> hey, man, it's brutal. But to see that, and then to see us just with nothing, no coverage whatsoever for so long, and you know, it's finally on TV, but still relatively under the radar. It's, it's tough to to watch, but you, knowing that it's going to be there eventually, just it's just a matter of time, you know. So it's nice every every time we take another step, like like when it got on Access TV, it was such a giant leap compared to where it was prior to that. So then, what, what's coming next? What's coming next? It's just a matter of time, and the, the right people coming along, doing the right things. One can only hope. It's when we talked about this today, but uh, that Dana White had a point that I think he's probably right about is that in a lot of people's eyes in America, kickboxing got kind of poisoned with that whole yeah. PKA karate stuff that was on in like the 80s or the 90s. Yeah, it put a bad taste in people's mouth. So it's, it's hard to break free from that mentality of you think kickboxing, you think Muay Thai, you think pants fighting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I remember... Um, and the shoes and everything. Yeah. The shoes, the booties. Everybody thinks, oh, you do that thing with the pants and the shoes, you know? I took a buddy of mine who yeah. was a... Uh, he's a produ- he was the producer of Fear Factor, actually, my friend David. And I took him to uh, some Muay Thai fights in Burbank. This is a local show that was at some hotel. You know, they just had a ballroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is back when... Um, God, who the fuck was fighting on that card? Oh... Uh, 
I'll remember. I'll remember. But some some good names, some really good fighters. This was uh-huh. like back in 2001, 2002. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he had never seen like Muay Thai before. He really had no idea what to expect. Uh-huh. And uh, he was like, oh, when they kick the legs, it makes a big difference. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, it makes a fucking huge difference. <laughs> well, every time you have to, somebody asks you, so what's Muay Thai? Every t- I feel so... I. I really dislike when I have to say it's like kickboxing with elbows and knees. Like I die a little bit inside every yeah. time I have it's to just say a, that. It's a matter of how long you want to sit there and talk to this person because you can be like, no, it's actually this, this, that, and so sometimes it's like, is it like kickboxing? Like, yeah, see you later. With elbows and knees, <laughs> you're like, dude, like, well, kickboxing it's hard to explain it, you know? looks the same when you're looking at it. Mm-hmm. Like if you're watching Glory, it uh-huh. looks the same. You know, and then when people talk about it, like I've, I've had people over watching the fights, they go, wait a minute, this isn't Muay Thai? No, well, it's, it's, it's similar. real close. It's yeah. like on the door. Yeah. It's, it's like, like the difference between American football and rugby. Like they're similar. They're running. There's a ball. Yeah. But they're not the same whatsoever. They're two, they're two different sports. Is it that dissimilar? Because I, really I would just, think it is, yeah. yeah really? Completely. Because yeah. it, it's a completely different pace. It's a completely different mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're limited on a, just a few weapons, which seems very minor. But unless you fight it, unless you do it, it's it's night and day. Mm-hmm. It's night and day. Well, I would imagine that it would make there was there would be a big adjustment for people that are listening that don't know what we're talking about. Kickboxing, if you watch like <laughs> Glory or now Bellator is having kickboxing mm-hmm. as well, and of course K One was really the first one to start it on a global scale yeah. and make these big gigantic events over in Japan. Kickboxing does not allow the use of elbows or knees and a very limited amount of clinching. Yeah. Whereas in Muay Thai, especially in Thailand, you see a tremendous amount of clinching and it's very technical there's yeah. a lot going on yeah. in that clinching and i've always maintained i've been a big fan of lion fight because what lion fight is doing is giving you the actual pure muay thai mm-hmm. you know other than the the dancing and the music and yeah. all the stuff that happens before you know in in a traditional muay thai fight yeah they're, they're doing a really good job and, and and as you said they've had to uh limit a few of the things in order to get it out there to the general public which it's unfortunate you can't just you can't just like throw it out there in people's faces with with all the culture and the traditions particularly here in America you know people it, people would turn away from it so fast so I think at some point we'll be able to build up to that. You know, if you start uh, slowly um, educating people on what that is and the history and everything, and, and hopefully eventually we won't get so far away from that, that that Muay Thai does become kickboxing because we've taken so much from it, you know. And for people who don't know what we're talking about, again, the the, <laughs> the dance that you do, the warm-up dance before uh, a Muay Thai match called Y Crew, right? Mm-hmm. And how long does that usually take? It, it depends, really. Um you know, different gyms, uh, different people do, do, do longer and shorter ones. You know, I, I do a very limited uh, shorter one uh, when I fight. Well, I haven't done it in forever. But, but because of that, you know, and knowing that people aren't, don't want to really want to see it, you know, you kind of um, Americanize it and shorten it where, where some of them, I've seen some, I've seen some longer uh, Y crews than, uh, than fights in the past. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's a long one? Ah, five minutes. Five yeah. minutes, really? No, five I, minutes. I, I, I don't I know. I mean, Borkow Bo- Bo- has like one of the longest ones I've seen. Yeah. Like he takes his sweet time, you know, goes down, does everything like perfectly. It's like a, it's like a whole routine. Definitely. But but then in, in those situations, like people are very educated and they want to see that. They yeah. want to see the beauty of it. It almost becomes part of the entertainment, part of mm-hmm. the fight. But besides the fight itself, you know. But when you go see a professional Muay Thai match, I would estimate that like fifty percent of the crowd trains. 
they're very educated in, yeah. in, in what mm-hmm. it is. You know, it, it's like it's like baseball here in America, where you don't have to play baseball in order to appreciate and love it because it's our pastime, right? And that's what it is in Thailand. Not not everyone there is actively training or fighting or has fought, but it's so embedded in their culture that that they just love it and they appreciate it. Everything, right. everything about it. So to go to a live Muay Thai fight in Thailand is just. You, you can't even describe it. I yeah. could only imagine. It's on my bucket list for sure. Yeah. But yeah. in America, if you go to see a live event in America, half of the audience at least uh-huh. is either people from the gym or people that know people from the gym. Yeah. And it's sort of almost an incestuous kind of an environment. Yeah, pretty, you know? especially like like when I was coming up, the only people that were there trained were family or friends of the people fighting you know, uh, so that you weren't hitting this this wider audience. You mm. know, where where now it it is getting on TV, and there are people seeing it who who don't know anything about it, and, and it's slowly building momentum and getting out there and getting a little more popular. But it's just one of those sports where you know it's it's not for everybody, and and you gotta find the way to 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 bring it to everyone. You know, it's not it doesn't have this mass appeal. The fight in itself does, yeah. But but all everything that goes with it is very. Uh, it's different. Well, it's very traditional. The the Thai style and then the music mm-hmm. is very traditional, and it's it's for a lot of people for whatever reason they just don't have an open mind. They don't want to accept that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's strange. And like, and like we were saying, you know, watching it live compared to watching it on TV is like two different things. Too, yeah. So yeah, yeah there, there's nothing like it. Even for me, I'll watch it on TV. And then I'll be there in person. I'm like, geez, man. Like, why do people do this? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do this, yeah. too. It, it's different. It's, but it's with any combat sport. If, yeah. When you're there live, you can feel it. You feel the energy in the air. You feel the impact. Yeah. Um, as opposed to watching it on TV, which is still great, but nothing compares to being there in person, particularly Muay Thai. It's just brutal. Yeah, yeah brutal. I agree. And it's there's something about it when you're not hearing any commentary. You're just mm-hmm. literally feeling the slap of the shins. Yeah. 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 Bone to bone. Yeah. yeah. It just it's makes crazy. you cringe. I was in LA a couple years back when they had that big pro Muay Thai event. They had a lot of big name fighters fight, and Buakau fought, and he uh, apparently uh, had some beef with some dude that he was going to fight, and there was a lot of shit talk back and forth. So he had this long wide crew where he was shooting arrows at him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You remember that? Yeah. That was uh, MPL, right? Yes. Yes. That was MPL. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to that organization? Uh, same thing that happens to a lot of organizations. They 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 try to go too hard out the gate. Mm-hmm. They pay all this money for all these super high level fighters, which you know your your um, Muay Thai fans going to know who they are, but your your general public has no idea. And that's who we're trying to reach is the, is the people that don't know anything about it. So those people aren't going to come out just because there's this high level Muay Thai guy. They don't know who this is. They don't know anything about him. They, they'd be more likely to come out to a, a, a local person because at least like, hey, that guy fights out of California or whatever. And and that's been the biggest thing that's um, slowed, slowed Muay Thai down is these promotions try to go too hard out the gate as opposed to building it up, which, which you know, you got to lose a lot of money and build these people with anything. You got to start slow and build people gradually, build the promotion, build the fighters, build your audience. And eventually you can get to that level where, where everyone on the card is like top 10 people. But you yeah. can't do that from the beginning when you were just trying to grow and build. Yeah, I remember I went to the event and uh, Larry Merchant was there. Uh-huh. Remember the, the boxing guy? Larry Merchant was there. A lot of people were there. Nesto Hoost was doing commentary. It yeah. was, And I was like, wow, maybe this is going to work. You know, yeah. it seems like these guys 
have got it. Too big, too yeah. fast. You know, too many big names right away. You know, they ran. I'm pretty sure they ran out of money like by the second <laughs> or third show. It just didn't work out. And that's where Lion Fight has been doing a like, really good job at like growing their talent and trying to get better. And like every sh- they they're putting really good fights and really good matchups with guys from around here. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, the the matchups and the talent level is very high. It's yeah. it's it's way higher than the 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 credit it's getting. Yeah. It's like uh, you know, I watch. Uh, I have a uh, DVR in my gym. I've got. I mean, what what number are they up to now? Like thirty something. Thirty two. Thirty two. Yeah. I've got way back to like twenty one or something. Mm-hmm. Just saved up. Yeah. And I can watch them all while I train. And it's um, there's such high level. There's so much good fights. There's, mm-hmm. You know, there's so many good guys. It's it's so exciting and it's it's such a dynamic technical sport and that's one of the things that I think is probably it's probably it probably slips by some people when the casual observer is watching it just some of the stuff that we were doing today where you were showing me just a little little shifts and variations and stances and and little things like that and that's you know that I think that's that's when you train in it or you try it, it makes the experience of watching people compete in it richer. Yeah. Because you, you kind of understand. You're like, wow, this is like very complex. There's yeah. a lot going on here. It's not just guys going, ah, and just trying to fucking kick each other. You yeah. Know? And there's so, there's so many levels to this, and, and your casual fan isn't going to know that. And, and, and a big problem a lot of promotions make is they try to cut corners and put guys out there who aren't very good, but both those guys are at the same level. So for your average person, like, well, they're kicking and punching each other. So, but they might be very, very low level, but they just wanted to, to get some cheap people they could put on the air, you know? So they'll, they'll, Take all the cut all these corners just just to uh, save some money, but in the end it hurts everybody because you're putting crappy fights out there. Yeah, you know what I mean. Not good matchups, not very talented guys because you want to save some money, or they'll spend so much money on like the the main event and the co-main event that they have to you know cut those corners with everybody else, and and so you're putting these crappy fights out there, and you're bring trying to bring this new audience in, so people come and like this is terrible. Like why why would I want to come to this? You know because because they're bad matchups, and and as we were talking about line fight what they did from the beginning was they had quality matchups throughout the entire card whether it was the main event whether it was the undercard whether it was the amateurs they were good exciting matchups regardless of the level and that's what really helped build them up now how long have you been uh fighting in muay thai now i started when i was 10 back in lima peru uh, and how old do you know 24 yeah um, I think it's really interesting you were telling me today, we were talking about your training partner, uh, Mazzetti. What's his first name again? Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah. Who's, who just fought this past weekend in yeah. Lion Fight. You watch him. Fucking and, sensational. Yeah. Holy shit, is that kid dynamic. And, and his brother is like bigger, older, and like more, even like more aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> He's a lot bigger. He's a lot bigger, yeah. He, what is, what was, what's going on in Peru? Like, Man, my, my, my first coach, Rodrigo... You know, he he had a vision of the sport. You know, when when he first started, he came here to train with Alex Gong at Fairtex San Francisco. You know, it was very small, but he went back, and I remember I started training with him, and it was everything was so small back then. Like the amount of talent there is now. Like I mean, Kevin and Kieran saw it when we went to uh, to Peru last November. Kieran's I mean, hiding in the corner over there. He's here, but he's not here. Yeah, I mean, there <laughs> he was, was like supposed a, to be on camera. I don't remember. There was 150 fighters in the national tournament last November when me and Kevin were were, were fighting, and yeah. it's crazy, like wow. the amount of talent and how much is growing. I mean, Peru is definitely going to be a powerhouse in the future. Is it because of one coach? Is it just has the country embraced it? Is it taken off in popularity? Like, I'm, it's getting a little more popular, but like I said, Rodrigo really helped. You know, help he. 
he got together with the government, you know, so they we, they could start helping him out and bring guys out to IFMA and everything. And it's just crazy. Like, all these kids are really, like, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, really good kids. So. It's just fascinating that that one part of the world is starting to produce a lot of, like, really high-level talent. And then talking to you about it, you know, you were saying that it's, like, soccer and then Muay Thai is, like, really, like, coming up in popularity behind soccer, which sounds crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then our soccer team sucks, so everybody's, <laughs> every, everybody's starting to turn to Muay Thai. So it's, it's really cool to see. It's really cool to watch. That is really fascinating. Yeah. You know, Muay Thai is the predominant striking art in MMA. You know, it's the most, uh, I would say, probably the most successful striking art in MMA because it has all the elements of boxing and, uh, you know, a lot of the elements of a lot of the other traditional martial arts. But there's something about the combination of kicks and elbows and the, and, and the technical style of Muay Thai that really lends itself to MMA. And I think when Maurice Smith came along, mm-hmm. like Maurice Smith was probably the first guy who was like a really high-level technical striker who gave MMA a try mm-hmm. and was showing everybody the effectiveness of Muay Thai in MMA. But for whatever reason, it never it translated to Muay Thai getting more popular in MMA, but yeah. it didn't necessarily translate to Muay Thai getting that much more popular. Yeah, Yeah, it's one of those things that... <sighs> With the MMA, it kind of helps and it hurts. Like, it helps in the sense that it gets it out there, but it can hurt as well when, when you're getting a bad representation of the sport you do. So so for a, a good stand-up striker in MMA, they might not be that great when it comes to right. real Muay Thai, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so you're saying, hey, this guy's got really great stand-up. Well, he has really great stand-up for MMA. Mm-hmm. So people assume that guy, that's what good stand-up looks like in uh, Muay Thai or traditional traditional stand up arts, you know. So it's it it's the the pros and cons of of it getting out there. Um, so it's tough, you know. Everything kind of helps as, as well as takes away from the sport too. Well, I think all martial arts make an adjustment. They have to make a technical adjustment when they're being applied to MMA because yeah. you have to deal with the takedowns. Yeah, you have to deal with all the and even wrestling and judo had to make adjustments for Muay Thai mm-hmm. because as soon as you involved leg kicks and then knees, you know, a lot of guys were shooting for takedowns and getting knee to, they're getting right knee to face. Yeah. Like that cyborg um, um, uh, Michael Page fight. Yeah. Which is crazy knockout where his whole head got crushed yeah. from that knee. Yeah, yeah. he had I mean, to have surgery and everything. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's got literally had to have his skull put back together again. Oh, it was God. the most brutal injury I've yeah. ever... Have you ever seen one of those before? Have you ever seen a skull get crushed? No, I actually had my skull fractured, but not like that. That was the, one of the worst things I've ever seen. How did your skull get? I got kicked in the back of the head, and the guy had a steel plate in his uh, shin guard in China. What? Yeah. In his shin guard? Yeah. So he had a shin guard on with a yeah. steel plate in it. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't really think oh anything of it at the time. You know, this was, what, like 10 years ago. You know, we would just fight all, everywhere, anywhere, or whatever, you know, and, and not really think twice about it. And I, uh, so I fought. He kicked me in the back of the head. I got dropped, got up, ended up knocking him out. Fought again the very next day. Um, what? Yeah, not, knocked this guy out too. And then uh, when we got back to the States, I, like I was having headaches all the time. And I just thought I had a bad concussion, you know. But like up to like almost like a month later, I, I kept seeing these like flashes of light. Every, anytime someone would ever touch me, you know, I'd be working with like little kids or girls and smaller people. And, and just them touching me, I'd, I'd get this like jolt and, and it you know, it was kind of freaking me out. And I, uh, I was getting ready for another fight and, uh, I had to get, uh, my MRI 
or a CAT scan, I don't remember what it was. And they're like, yeah, you got an inch and a half crack in the back of your skull. <sighs> and they're like, I don't know why you're not a vegetable right now. You should be. <laughs> they're like, if you even hit that again, you it would probably kill you. Doctors always say that, though. Yeah, of course. Yeah. When was but, the last time you heard that? <laughs> if, if I get knocked out one more time, I'm dead. Yeah, you know, you if, know if it, it was, was one inch closer to my spine, I'd yeah. be dead. It, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty uh, rough thing to happen, and, and to, I couldn't do anything other than hit the bag by myself for I don't remember how long it was till like it let it heal, but but it it was a uh, so it just essentially had a close. On yeah, its on own. its own. You know, it's just like don't get hit. You wow, know, don't get hit. And I, I was getting ready for a fight and. I actually still tried to fight anyway, <laughs> but uh, the the doctor who the doctor who diagnosed it was the doctor for the fights. Oh, that's hilarious! He's like, dude, you can't fight. Get out of here. How like, long right. after that was the fight after the diagnosis? Uh, like a week. <laughs> Why did you try to fight with yeah. a fucking inch? Uh, he you told that, you you could die. That, that's that's just kind of the mentality I had coming up, you know. And how it, old were you at the time? Twenty. So you just felt invulnerable? I, no, not really. I mean, my, my mentality from the beginning has always been I'm going to fight as long as I'm breathing. And, you know, I've gone into fights with some of the worst injuries ever, broken hands, broken, broken skulls, broken faces. And that's just the way I came up. You know, like you're going to fight no matter what. You're going to fight anyone, anywhere, anytime, any weight class. Um, and that's how I was able to get as much experience as I did. Karen's nodding back there. So like, yeah, <laughs> fight. You know, um, fight good. It, it, it's just it, it was the mentality we had coming up. You know, this was at a time when you know YouTube wasn't even out yet. Like nobody knew what Muay Thai was. It was like you got to be ready to fight all the time, or else you're never going to get any fights. Right. You know, where now it's like everyone's kind of like looking for the big show, or oh, picking oh, their fights. Like, like a month, like a month yeah. is short notice for mm -hmm. people. Where yeah. us it was like an hour. It's like yeah, we're yeah. we're ready. We're we're here to fight. Let's go. You know, and it's just it, the time I came up was a different mindset than it is today. And that's kind of the pros and cons of it getting bigger is the bigger things get. You got to take the kind of like faker people with it where, where when when I started and I was at fights is like you knew every person that was at that fight was a diehard Muay Thai fan. There was no other reason to do this other than the fact that you loved it. You're losing money. There was no, there was no show to get on. There was no television to get on. There was there was no reason to do this sport except for the fact that you loved it. There wasn't wasn't a question. Like there's no reason to do this except for you love it with everything that's in you. So everyone you met, everyone you talked to, every gym you went to, every fight you went to, you were surrounded by people that had the same heart and mentality as you. Whereas now, you know, people are doing it for different reasons. You know that they maybe they want to get famous or they want to get Instagram followers or you know they want to look cool doing pad work and yeah. that's kind of the good and the bad of of things getting bigger. So you think that by the sport getting more popular, by more people paying attention to it, it opens up the door to more people doing it, but they just don't have the the pure intention. Of course, and that yeah. kind of waters down the sport at the end. So. It's interesting because yeah. there's got to be like there's a there's a line right between like where it's intelligent to fight injured yeah of like course. like mm -hmm. with your broken head uh, yeah like, I would never today, I would never tell anyone to do would what you do I it did. today if would you think you would be in the same situation today or would you go no, well with I, weight no, age well, and wisdom I'm not gonna fight I'm with not a broken gonna say head I, me personally but fortunately I have good people around me who who would be like look that's not smart right and I'm like yeah yeah you're right um, you know and again it, it was in a time where. 
if I don't take this fight, who knows when another fight's going to come along? Mm. You know, they're, they're, you got to take what you can get when you can get it. And that's why I'm like fighting people who outweigh me by 30 pounds and, you know, just, just taking a fight on a couple hours notice because you got to, there was, there wasn't opportunities. So you got to do what you had to do to get in there and you had to get experience. And that was the only way you were going to get fights, you know. Was it difficult to motivate yourself during those times? Because for a lot of people, motivation requires some sort of an end goal. It, um, or not, at least- not so much about, it was more about getting fights than it was about what am I getting out of this fight. So it wasn't about making money. It wasn't about getting on TV. But, but I, there was a long period of time when I just couldn't get a fight to save my life. And that's when I was highly considering switching over to MMA because everyone I trained was fighting. They're fighting in the UFC. They're getting fights all the time. They're fighting every month. And I'm sitting there busting my ass and, and I can only get a fight or two a year. You know, I, there was a time I had over 30 fights fall through that I was training for and preparing myself for. And then they'd fall through and they'd fall through and they'd fall through. And that's why I started just taking a boxing fight, even though I'd never trained boxing in my life or taking a San Shao fight. That, that one in China was a San Shao fight because I just had to do what I had to do to stay busy or taking a fight on a day's notice or fighting with a cracked skull because I knew I had to stay in there and stay active and stay busy or else I'm never going to get better, especially if I want to compete with guys who have like 400 fights and been fighting since they were eight years old. You know, how are you going to fight against the guy like that if you don't get the experience? You have so much to make up for anyway. I didn't start till I was 23. You know what I mean? I'm so late to the game. My mentality was always, I'm always going to be playing catch-up. No matter how good I get, I'm playing catch-up. And so I got to do everything I can, every way I can. Maybe it wasn't the smartest thing, but I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't take those risks and maybe take those not-so-smart fights. But, yeah, there is a fine line between putting yourself out there and being dangerous. But I don't know where that line is. Yeah, I don't think anybody does, right? So that, for me, it was for everybody. So I was always on the – I'm like, I'm just going to do it no matter what. Because where do you draw the line? You stub your toe and, like, you're limping a little bit? Should you not fight? I don't know. Maybe. But I'm going to do it. Yeah, do you, when you say you started at 23, was that when you started competing? That was or the did, first time I stepped foot in the gym. You were 23. No yeah. training at all in martial arts before that? Zero. What motivated you to get in there? <sighs> well, I the first time I ever saw Muay Thai was like 94, 90, 94 or 96. I, they went back when ESPN used to play them late at night, like the old school fights. And I was, I'd always thought about boxing and doing some kind of fighting and but I, I always love martial arts you know and when i saw muay thai i was like that's it man because because every other kind of thing with like kicking and knees was like taekwondo or, or point point fighting and, and not that real boxing style of, of, of hardcore fighting you know so when i saw muay thai i was like if i'm gonna do anything that that's gonna be it um but unfortunately at that time i, I was too busy living in Vegas and drinking myself to death every day and partying, mm. you know, and, um, it was never one of those serious things. So I never, I never told anybody about it. I was never, cause I didn't even know how serious I was. Cause I, obviously I couldn't do it, live the way I was living and, and compete. So I knew that if I was ever going to do this, I would have to completely stop drinking, partying, living the lifestyle I was living. Uh, and I wasn't ready to give that up. You know, I wasn't ready to give up my friends and lose all these people. Not to say that, that I would, but, I knew that was a possibility. Um, and I, I only ever told one of my friends about it. His name was Mo. And, um, you know, I always figured people would laugh at me if I told them I want to be a fighter one day. If you knew me back then, you probably would have laughed at me too. Like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> like you drink every single day. All you do is party. And um, I told him, and to my surprise, he didn't laugh at me at all. He's like, well, I don't know. Why don't you? Why don't you go after it? And I was like, well, I'm like, 
I was only like 18 at the time. And at that point, I thought it was way too old to start. I'm like, I'm, I can't start now. I can't start now and make it anywhere. You know what I mean? These people are starting when they're like 10. I'm, it's too late for me. He's like, you should do it anyway. You know, like if you want to do something, you can do it. And he, uh, he was born with a bad heart and he ended up passing away. Um, and I promised myself when he died that I would do it. I was like, I'm going to go after this dream. Um, if not for myself, then for him, because he, he was never uh, able to, to live, you know, and, and unfortunately his death sent me just in a really bad downward spiral, even more so than I was already in drinking and, and partying and all that stuff. And this kept, continued on for years and years and, and through a, a month long series of really horrible things happening, like friends dying or, or almost killing people, drunk driving and myself getting pulled over doing like 120 on the 215 in Vegas. And for whatever reason, I, I, the cop let me go. And, and that was just the, all these things happening. It was this huge wake up call for me. And I realized that if, if my friend was still alive, he would beat the shit out of me. You know, he's like, well, you're wasting your life. You're wasting this dream you have because you're too scared to do it. But this dream, I mean, you had never even stepped foot in a, dr- in a no, gym. So this no. is like a dream of you one day attempting yeah. to learn something. Right. Yeah. That's and, a very and, crazy and, thing because it was always hanging over your head then. Yeah. And, it, and it, again, it was that thing where I'm not going to be able to get anywhere in this, but... I finally realized that where I get to isn't what matters. Like how good I can get doesn't matter. Me giving myself all of myself to this sport and, and dedicating myself to this is, is what really matters. How Where I make it to, I don't know where I could make it to. I could be the best in the world or the worst in the world. But as long as I'm putting myself out there. Why is that more important? Why is, it, why is the most thing important to, to put everything you have into it? I, I've just always believed if you're going to do something, it's, it's all or nothing. You know, um, I, I never wanted to half-ass it, and that's why I knew if I was going to do this, I'd have to give up partying and drinking and, and hanging out with my friends and, and going out all the time. Uh, and I wasn't ready to do that. You know, I, I've always been in that mentality of if you're going to do something, do it. You, you do it all the way. You don't do it at all because you're sabotaging yourself. And then you can just say, "Oh, I didn't make it because of this, that, and the other." Right, but why was it so? What What were you getting out of it when you when you realized that it wasn't really about how good you get or how far you go. It was about giving it everything you have. It, a lot of it had to do with, with, with seeing my friend pass away at, at 18. You know, I'm like, there's no reason to ever halfway do something because there's people who don't get the opportunity to, to even tr- attempt to go after these things because, because of whatever reason. They might die. They might have a disease. They might, you know, not have all their legs. You know, and you, you can do this. Maybe you can't be the great, but you can do this. You can at least attempt this. And you owe it to yourself and you owe it to them to give it everything that you have. I always felt like I owed him everything to go after my life with everything I have, all my dreams. I need to go after 100% because there's people that don't get to. I'm asking this because I think this is a common theme with people is that when they're pursuing a dream or when they're attempting to do something, they realize somewhere along the line that you're doing something more than just like trying to get really good at Muay Thai or, yeah. or whatever, you know, fill in the blank with whatever sport it is. You're, I, I was, the expression I always use is that martial arts are a vehicle for developing your human potential. Yeah. And I think that until you have a really difficult task in front of you, like becoming a professional Muay Thai fighter, which is one of the most difficult tasks in all combat sports, 
until you have that task in front of you, until you, you go down that road and realize how much is actually required of you, yeah. you don't know how much you can give to something. Right. And once you do realize how much you're capable of giving you something, and then you can give a little more, and then you can give a little more, and then you realize, like, did I give my all? Did, yeah. I, did I watch what I ate? Did I sleep enough? Did I, do, did I think about things the right way? Did I get anxious when I shouldn't have? Did I, did I keep my mind clean? You know, what, what was I doing wrong? What was I doing right? How can I improve? And then it sort of it trickles over into your life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the beginning, as I said, for me, it's always been all or nothing. You know, I didn't realize it at the time, but, but looking back, I can kind of um, understand the mentality behind it is there's so many things that are going to come up that will deter you from going after it. Maybe you get injured or maybe you're not getting the opportunities. And if you're not in it, a hundred percent, those things are going to steer you away. Those things are going to make you quit. It's that people kind of look at people who have made it as if they just had this easy path and, and all of a sudden they're, they're, they're in the spotlight and they're a world champion and doing these things. But it's like any person who's made it to a high level, whether it's an, a, an athlete or a business person, if you go back in their life and see the things they've had to do and overcome and the obstacles in their way, you have no, you have no idea. And that's why everyone's like, well, they didn't have to deal with this or they didn't have to deal with this. You don't know what they had to deal with. You don't see the obstacles. Isn't that always a problem when you're watching something kind of condensed to one performance? You know, of like course. if you watch like Gabriel go out the other night, you look at him, he's 19 years old. He destroys that guy. What was the guy's name? Josh, uh, Josh Shepard. Shepard, Shepard yeah. who was a really talented fighter really himself, good. goes out and destroys this guy in the first round. You're like, well, how hard could he have worked? He's fucking 19. Dude, he's a young kid. I was training you know? that kid. I mean, Kieran and I were training that kid, and I was like running him to the ground every single day. I mean, he's really good. He's really talented already, but I was like, you're you're in this position right now. This is what you're gonna do, and we're gonna work really hard, you know. And I I, I dedicated myself to him throughout his camp too. I, I mean, we we're training together when I was fighting for my world title fight, and then I w he just kept training and going. And he's trained like three months for that fight, and that's why he looks so good. He dedicated everything to that. Also, he's super talented. Also, there's something about being 19, right? <laughs> right? Isn't there something about being like really? I don't, what is it? Is it a physical thing or is it a mental thing? Is it that you don't have as much responsibility? I think it's is a combination it, of a lot of those things. Yeah, yeah, without a yeah. doubt. But it's it's super rare that a guy is like 35, mm -hmm. and then like, say, how long has uh, Gabriel been training for? He's he wasn't even like. He wasn't even that good before. Like he was okay. Like he was good, but like his he didn't get that good until he went to Thailand. He started taking like really tough fights. He's been training for like since he was like thirteen, I think. So think of that. That's only six years. Yeah. So it's very rare that a guy would be like thirty four, mm -hmm. and then th and when he's thirty nine, he's this motherfucker of motherfuckers. Like <laughs> yeah. he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like what is it? Is it? I, I've always wondered, like, is it that life just you burden yourself down with with responsibility and information and l just life itself, relationships, bills, bullshit, stress, mm -hmm. existential angst, the the fucking the the grave calling, yeah, you know, well, all I, these different I, I, things. There's, there's so many variables that you yeah. can't really like pinpoint it on one specific thing. You know, everybody and everybody's variables are going to be different. You know, we're all we all have different things to overcome and deal with. Just because I view yours as maybe they're not that difficult, like you don't know, I don't know everything he's dealing with. He doesn't know everything right. I'm dealing with or have had to overcome. 
But but if I sat there and listened to his story, I'm like, geez, like I wouldn't want to do that. I'm sure it's a crazy story, but like when you go back and watch Mike Tyson when he was 19, mm-hmm. you go see Mike Tyson like hitting the bag with Teddy Atlas when he's yeah. 19. You just go, Jesus fucking Christ. How does anybody get that good? Like, what what happens from 13 to 19? Like, what? how is it possible that someone can just reach that insane level? And it seems that it happens primarily when someone's really young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I started when I was 10. Uh, and when I was 16, you can ask Karen, like, I felt invincible, man. Like, I will, I will take, much like Kevin, I would take any fight, any weight, doesn't, didn't matter, you know. Um, I was 16. I, I couldn't fight as an adult yet because I wasn't 18. But we lied and said that I was 18. And so, I, because I ran out of people to fight, I, ra- I ran out of juniors to fight. So, from 16 to 18, I was technically an adult. <laughs> and I was just taking as many fights at, you know, anywhere from 132 pounds to 147. Any fight that I could possibly take is I needed to get the experience. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to dedicate my life to it. Do you think that that's possible for an older person? Like, so, like, Kevin, you you obviously you were still young. You were twenty three. Mm-hmm. You know, that I mean, you you're saying you're you're older, but yeah. a lot of people listening, like, God, twenty three, you're still like a baby. You yeah. can still learn a lot. I mean, relatively though, for the sport, Kevin was old. Yeah, so and, and I'll have people he, come up to yeah. me like, "Oh, I'm too old." I'm like, "How old are you?" Like nineteen. I'm like, "Dude, I'm like, I didn't even start till I was yeah. twenty three. What are you talking about?" Because people just, I think people just like to view things as an excuse, like, "Oh, I can't do it because right. X." But we all have something that we can point to and be like, "Well, I can't make it because of this." Of course, but yeah. but there's people who have had that and worse and have made it. So what excuse could you possibly have? You're a very technical fighter. You're a very technical guy. Do you think that maybe there is some benefit in having started a little bit later, being a little 100%, wiser? 100%. That, that, I think that's a huge thing um, that just because you start, you know, when you start when you're a kid, there's so much of it. Like, you're just doing it for whatever. But but once you, you've, you've it, um, uh, matured in a certain way, like, like I started to for only one reason. I want to be the best I can be. I, you know, I'm, I'm developed enough uh, physically and mentally to apply these things to, 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 to what I'm trying to apply them to, to be the best fighter I can. Whereas, yeah, when you're younger, you're still, you're still growing and learning and developing physically as well as mentally. Yeah, like when I, when I, my first fight, I was 11, 10. Like, I didn't know why, what I was doing there. I just knew, like, I, I kind of liked it, but I, like, I didn't have, like, a purpose to it. Like, I just really enjoyed training at the time. It was exciting. It was exciting. Right. But and you I, had skills, I, I, you wanted to try them yeah, out. Yeah. I just, but I wasn't like, oh, I want to be the best in the world right now. Like, that didn't come till, like, 14, 15 when I was like, I, re- I, I really want to dedicate my life to now, this. Now, were you living in America at the time? Or? No, I, I was in Peru. When, when did you come 10, to America? When I was 13. When you were 13. Yeah. And did you go straight to CSA? Was that the first gym no, you I, trained in? I started at Vertex, and then when I was 16, uh, 2008, I met Karrion. And ever since, we've been inseparable. Well, yeah. you guys have a very unique gym. And um, it's one of the most important things for a young fighter is to find the right environment to develop. And we were talking about that earlier today. Like, you can get unlucky and find a bad coach in a bad gym and you get all tangled up with that person psychologically yeah. and they become family and then you know you're you're kind of fucked yeah it's a very difficult break for a lot of fighters to make yeah man and i mean like i honestly i i've been truly blessed since i started all the way to now because i started with rodrigo then fairtex you know i was with johnson uh, somebody who kevin still trains with this day, to this day a little bit but you know I've i've always had really good coaching since i started you know? Yeah, I so. think another another 
unfortunate thing is just because somebody's a great coach doesn't mean they're great for you. Mm. You know, so so sometimes you'll see these people like leave their camps and go to this really high level coach who's had a lot of success with certain individuals, but that doesn't mean they're going to be great for you. So I try to always tell people you have to find what works best for you, whether it's a coach, whether it's your diet, whether it's your training schedule. What works for me won't always work for you. You got to find what's best for you. And that doesn't always necessarily mean I need this great coach because you guys might just clash. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like like coaches and fighting, it's very much about it's like having a relationship with somebody, uh, with another person. Like you just might clash together and not work. And it's also what you just said is super important about finding that winning formula, yeah. whether it's training, whether it's diet, whether it's coaching and, and then gym partners. Mm -hmm. Like I know you guys are fantastic partners mm -hmm. you guys work together really well i've watched a lot of videos of you guys training together yeah. i mean how critical is that to have someone who's a, an elite fighter that trains with you on a daily basis it's one of the most most important things there, there there's so many factors that go into building a fighter it's not just one thing you know what i mean and and that one thing needs to constantly be adjusted because the way I train today isn't how I trained even a year ago. You know, I'm. You continually need to be hopping back and forth on this line of too much and too little of one. What's thing. What's the difference between how you train today versus how you trained a year ago? Uh, I'd say I'd say the older I get, the the more it's a, a mental approach kind of thing. You know, like like my technique in the because isn't going to be altered that much at this stage, but the way that I apply them, the way I go about them, the way I think about them. Um, it very much is going to change. You know, at a certain stage, you, it's like you have all these weapons to use. It's just a matter of which ones you use, at which time, at which speed, um, and the way that you apply them. Where in the beginning, you're just trying to do things well, and you're trying to almost put all these tools in the toolbox, you know, as your career develops. But, but at, at a certain stage, not to say I'm not adding more, is that I have all these tools. I, I need to figure out how, which ones work best for me and which ones work, work for me at which time against which opponent, at which, which venue, which sport. You know what I mean? There's, there's so many things that you can play with and adjust and good and bad. I, that was a huge thing I struggled with after my knee surgery was like I almost forgot how to fight as myself. You know what I mean? Because it was like, okay, here's all your weapons. Pick up which ones you want to use. I'm like, I don't know. I don't remember which ones I used and how I put them together. And it took me a, a series of fights to find myself again a, a, as a fighter in the ring. How much time did you take off because of your knee surgery? Nine weeks. Nine months and one week. <laughs> um, uh, that was between fights? That was between the day I blew my knee out and the day I got back in the ring. Um, you had ACL reconstruction? Yeah, I completely did, tore my ACL. Which way did they do it? Uh, cadaver. Yeah, I had that way. Um, I yeah. just talked to a friend of mine. She had it done. They took a. She was in Austria in a skiing accident. And they took some meat out of her calf, yeah. which I've never even heard of before, what? and reconstructed it. Well, yeah. like, like you know, there was those options, but I was like, I don't want to take anything else out of myself that yeah. might weaken that thing. Like I got enough to deal with now. I can't weaken something else. So for me, it was, and and in talking to other athletes that have had it, it just. It seemed like the the better approach for me, and 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 it has worked best for me. It worked best for me too. I had both knees reconstructed. I had my left one done with a patella tendon graft, where they uh -huh. take a big chunk out of your patella tendon with a piece of bone from your shin and a piece of bone from your knee, and it's fine. But th that was like a year before yeah. it felt good again. But yeah, the yeah. right knee, like I have zero problems with it, and I was training. I was doing jujitsu again in six months, oh, yeah. so it was. It, it it and it was with no pain yeah. like it never really like 
there was no consequences for the injury. Uh-huh. Whereas the left one, still, like where they cut the bone out, uh-huh. like if I like kneel down on a hardwood floor, I could still feel it. Yeah, it's um. There's a lot of people that are scared of cadavers, though. They're just scared of her. Yeah, it was it was a weird. Like for me, it was more of a mentally a strange thing, you know, to to have something of someone else's who passed away, and you know that was that was a just a weird, very weird thing mentally to to kind of deal with. And you know uh, how it works, right? Or it's just a scaffolding. No, no, not really. No. Um, what it is is they take usually they use um, an Achilles tendon because yeah. it's much stronger. Uh-huh. It's actually 150 percent, I believe, stronger than the original ACL. Uh-huh. They take that Achilles tendon, they put it in place, and then your body reproliferates that tendon uh-huh. with its own tissue. Right. So that tendon is not there anymore. Your body fills it up with cells because uh-huh. they reattach the blood supply, and as your body starts, it starts using that. To regenerate tissue. Right. So it puts your own cells, but in the form of a much larger tendon. It's really yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah my, my right leg, which is the one I blew out, feels so much better than my left one does. Like stronger. <laughs> and like, well, that's thick, yeah, man. They use yeah. a thick-ass fucking tendon. I mean, we have a shitty design. Yeah. The, the human body. The ACL <laughs> in particular. I'm just going to get everything replaced. Well, as soon as you figure out heel hooks, as soon as people figure out heel hooks, you just realize, like, oh, my God, my knee is, like, so stupid. Like, who, who figured the, Who designed yeah. this? Because all you have to do is get that heel here and, like, pop. Ugh. It just pops off. It's terrible, you yeah. know? I mean, it, and it happens all the time in yeah. jiu-jitsu. Guys get their knees blown apart. Uh, that gives me nightmares, man, just watching that. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, some guys get nightmares. They watch you guys kick each other. I know. You know? <laughs> I've blown up a couple of ACLs kicking people. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. It didn't feel good, man, for them. Yeah. I was like, God, did I do that? Was it a planted leg? Is that what it is most yeah, of the time? I just, yeah, a couple of tough guys that try to come in the gym, go mm. hard, you know, and I'm like, all right, man, let's go. Oh. Yeah, that's, why, then, that's yeah. why I tell a lot of people, like, learning how to absorb and take a, a punch or a kick is, is just as, if not more important than, than throwing it because you're going to get hit. Sure. No matter how good you are, you're going to get hit. And if yeah. you don't know how to take that and absorb it and minimize the damage, yeah, you're going to have a lot of really serious injuries. And, and, and unfortunately, so much of what we do is applied to the offensive side of it, mm-hmm. hitting people, you know, and those kinds of things. But if, if you don't know how to take a, a punch, and it, which obviously you don't want to just be like, all right, I want to learn how to take punches really good. But but that's that's a skill that you need to have. Yeah, there's a subtlety to it that I think is lost on a lot of people, the ability to just move with something. Yeah. And the way I always try to tell it to people, like, have someone hold their hand up and you punch it. Then have them move their hand just a little bit. Yeah. And you still try to punch it, but it doesn't feel good. Yeah. You know, like it feels good when they meet you. Right. It's like people hold pads and they like slap you mm-hmm. with the, you know, it feels good. You hit yeah. it. But if, if, if someone just kind of pulls away a little bit, mm-hmm. so much of the punch is diminished. Yeah, yeah you know, it, really, it really just drains yeah. the life out of you because you feel like you're giving someone all you have and in, in your mind you're hitting them. Right. But nothing is happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's we like have the that, worst We thing. have that winning, uh, that big shield, you know, and yes. Kieran, Kieran uses it sometimes to train us like towards the end of camp and it's awful because you're like giving everything you got to this thing and it's just so you know, fat yeah, yeah it's, it's giant like, it's, yeah there's nothing coming back at you so there's no there's no uh reverb yeah. off your head yeah. it's like you're punching into a cloud and it's like oh my gosh it's well terrible. i've seen some gyms that have that crazy 300 pound bag that mm-hmm. just sits on the ground it doesn't yeah. even swing it just sits there and you wind up kicking that thing and i'm yeah. always like man i don't know 
Like that, I don't. Is that good? Is it good to it's, kick something it, that doesn't it's, move? It's another one of those things where where it's just a piece of the puzzle. Like it's good to to uh, develop your power and stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, if that's all you're doing, when something's moving around on you, it's it's giving you very different looks. It's kind of like a. a um, like we do a lot of technical sparring, you know, with no gear on and stuff. If you have these all these pads on and you have this false sense of security, and then you yeah. get in there with someone who's got nothing on, and it's yeah. just like it feels, you're kicking it feels things awkward wrong, almost. you're yeah. catching yeah. elbows, and, and you're messing your feet up because yeah. you haven't learned how to place things correctly and where they need to go and where you where you maximize their damage and minimize yours. Is there a point of diminishing returns, though, with a heavy bag where, like, at a 300-pound bag and you're kicking it, it's probably not developing your power as much as even maybe a 150 pound bag would does that make sense i guess it just depends on what it is you're trying to do and work on and improve Mm -hmm. you know what i mean when you're hitting one of those immobile bags what Uh what would you concentrate on primarily power power Power. just dig in just digging in as hard as you can because i know that's going to be right there i can close my eyes and and hit this as hard as i want to Mm -hmm. and i don't i don't have to worry so much about like my balance and my speed I can just blindly do this kind right. of thing, you know. So I mean? just dig in, just, work on just, just the explosion. It. Yeah, but is there isn't there some benefit in the bag having some sort of a give so that your, yeah, your without a shin doubt. is pushing? Without a doubt, like like I mean, if, a lot of times when I'm working on uh, um, speed and movement and stuff. I don't really just try to like crack the bag. I'm just like touching it. So I'll work on a much lighter bag and I'm just trying to work on, on my angles and in the bag moving and, and targeting and those kinds of things. But, but again, it's very specific in what I'm trying to do. And there's not just one way to do this. And, and then I think that's another thing that not a lot of people think about or, or apply is just like, oh, I'm just going to hit pads. Oh, I'm just going to hit the bag. But why are you doing it? What is it that you're working on? What are you trying to develop? Because there's right. so many aspects to this. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's some, But it's another thing that you just figure out over time. Do you remember when the water bags were a big deal? Yeah. It was like a big thing. Like those like a, there was a thick foam outer layer. Then mm-hmm. there was water in it. That didn't really catch we on, have, did it? We have an aqua bag. Yeah? It's a little different. Like it? It's a little thicker, like rubber. It's good for power punching. I, I like it. I like it. I like it to throw elbows because it too. gives in on you a little bit. I mean, not that it's very it's very well put together. Mm-hmm. So it it doesn't like give in as much as you think it would. Yeah. What What are the mis- misconceptions that you think uh, maybe even traditional martial artists might have when they're looking at Muay Thai? Like what? Uh, maybe that is really one dimensional. You mm-hmm. know, I think I think we have this kind of oh, like we think about it like like almost like the. Uh, uh, who's in uh, Street Fighter? Uh, Ryu, Ryu. No, the uh, Saget. Oh, so we think yeah. about that. Which one's old school? The the old school uh, oh, okay. Thai boxer. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. when you think about Muay Thai fighters just being this mindless, like we're just gonna throw power at each other and and just stand there and we have no thought or, or process behind anything. And yeah, there's definitely fighters who do that. And 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 maybe to an outside observer, they they might not see all the small details and, and, and the complexity of the things they're doing just because i'm standing in front of you not moving doesn't mean there's no thought behind it right you know what i mean it's yeah. like i've learned how to use those head movement and footwork things on a very very small scale 
you know, so to me, I am I am doing a lot of movement and footwork, but but to an outside person, I'm just standing there mindlessly, just winging shots at each other. You know, so you don't see you don't see the, all the complexity that goes into it. Where I can watch it and view those things very well. Is it one of those things where you're you're watching, like say, um, if you're watching an MMA fight, for example, where a mm-hmm. lot of times when you're watching MMA, you're watching someone who's pretty good at a bunch of different things, yeah, but not maybe technically proficient at any of those things, uh-huh. and you, you you're seeing a lot of that where guys are just kind of standing in front of each other and almost playing Muay Thai, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely. And as a high level fighter, mm-hmm. do you guys watch MMA and go, ah, oh, this fucking, this is all. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, honestly, yeah. like, especially the, it hits me really hard sometimes. Like when we're like Friday night lion fights, you're there live and then you're like watching whatever UFC or whatever, whatever other car there is on and you're like on TV and it's like, oh my God. You know, so. Yeah. But there is there is some good strikers in MMA. Sure, well. there's like, guys like Barboza. Yeah. There's some pretty high level guys. But I, yeah, Joanna, Joanna's yeah, really sure, good. She's sure, Valentino, Shevchenko. Yeah. yeah, but there's also a lot of different elements that they have to think about. Right, yeah. right. Takedowns. And, it's definitely like like we were talking about it earlier. You got to implement you know what works for you mm-hmm. in MMA. So it, what what works for you might not work for somebody else either. So it's. It's, it's, it's really it's really tough. It's different. Now, you, at 24 years old, you you've already have a very successful Muay Thai career. Have you thought about doing an MMA? So, actually, I just signed a deal with Bellator. Oh, um, shit. So, I am making the transition, uh, not only with MMA. I, I wanted to do Muay Thai, keep doing Muay Thai with Lion Fight, but that, has, that, that hasn't worked out so good. So, I'm going to be doing Bellator kickboxing and MMA. So Why hasn't year. that worked out? Uh... I they're you know they're they're going a different route so it's not going to work to promote an MMA fighter you know through with lion fight so uh, Scott Coker is gonna you know has signed me and he's gonna be able to work both angles with me so that's gonna that's gonna be really good. Now you're a guy who clinches a lot and uh, that'd be a great thing for MMA. Yeah. But what about for kickboxing? Are you gonna do Bellator kickboxing as well? Because I know yeah. Bellator is doing a really interesting thing right now. Yeah. They're kind of combining uh, kickboxing and MMA on the same card. Has anybody talked to them about abandoning the kickboxing aspect and Maybe just doing Muay Thai? I don't know. I, I mean, I've, I've said some things to, uh, <laughs> to Scott about it, and uh, I think they're just trying to establish that uh, that kickboxing side of their uh, of mm-hmm. their cards and. Uh, Hopefully one day he might bring in some Muay Thai fights. Maybe 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 once once the uh, Bellator kickboxing can be more of a standalone uh, promotion, mm-hmm. I think uh, they might be able to uh, re- venture out into mixing the cards. Maybe have some Muay Thai fights on on the undercard or in between fights as well. So, but but for now, I, I think you know they're just trying to 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 start out and do things right and build up that that portion of it and having those mixed cards where it's the uh Bellator MMA and the Bellator kickboxing which has worked out very well and I think people really enjoy it cuz we're 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 having both both fights on on the card but eventually uh, it'd be nice if uh the kickboxing can stand alone and then kind of develop from there. Yeah, it just seems to me that it doesn't make any sense to eliminate elbows and knees. Yeah. Just it yeah. seems kind of crazy. Yeah. Like, uh, but well, again, it's a, it's a different sport, you know what yeah. I mean? It it's, is, it's, but it's striking. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, if you're if you're kicking, like why aren't you elbowing? Like why I, aren't I, you kneeing? Like I, it's a, Yeah, I agree with you. It's a beautiful. <laughs> I mean, I think the more complex striking gets, the the more beautiful it is. Yeah. I mean, the more variables that exist, like when I watch a guy like 
Sanchai is a perfect example mm-hmm. because he's such a wild guy to watch. He's yeah. so he fights in a, his own very particular style, yeah. and he's very light on his feet. There's a lot of switching of the feet, a lot of kicks that you you, you don't know where they're going. Yeah. You think they're going low, and they they kind of come straight up and go high. Kevin well, fought Kevin fought Sanchai. Did yeah. you? When did you fight Sanchai? <laughs> when was that? Sanchai? Eleven, two thousand twelve. Yeah, eleven Maybe. or twelve. I forget. August two thousand twelve. It was right before you moved to CSA. Yeah. No, I fought Sackett out before I moved to CSA. How was that? How was Sanchi? fighting Sanchai like? I'll watch it, man. It was it was, <laughs> it was amazing. Fight. It was uh, it was a great fight. Yeah. It's I, hard to describe I, what it was like, man. It, it was I was so dialed in physically and mentally that that I, I look back and I'm like, geez, dude, what, like I can't believe I, I that was me and they're doing that. Oh, yeah. it was just so. Like, I was in another mental plane, you know what I mean? Like, just everything was just firing the, the Is way. Is this it should. right here? Okay, yeah. we'll watch a little bit of this while we're talking. As long as we I, have it in the background. I want you to, see, get... I want you to see how Sanchai looks after the fight, so. Cecil Peoples is a referee. Yeah, he kind of screwed that, me. Did he, oh, yeah. Who saw that coming? Did he do that thing where he lifts his knee up yeah, and does the yeah, karate thing at the beginning? Yeah, I got to watch that. That shit's hilarious. Yeah, how did he become he tra- the person to yeah. the Cecil Peoples is a very nice guy. I will say that. I want to yeah, be a cool. nice. I want to see this. Hiya! There it goes. <laughs> he did that thing that he does, that weird knee thing that he does. But yeah, Sanchez is one of those guys, like, you, he doesn't fight like a traditional Muay Thai fighter, and he's the best Muay Thai fighter of all time, arguably, you know? He's certainly one of them. He's, he uses so many things from different, different arts, and, uh, you know, Taekwondo, and Muay Thai, and kickboxing, and... Yeah, he's he got that amazing. really sneaky left leg, too, man. That yeah. left leg it's literally so comes fast, straight like, up. And it's one of the, you have no idea where it's going. It yeah. might be a, a front kick, leg kick, body kick, head kick. Like, I knew he was going to kick me. I just didn't know where the hell it was going. Yeah. Well, he's really good. Have you ever seen Lawrence Kenshin's breakdowns of uh, Muay Thai fights? Um, what, is, what is the name he of He does his? them on YouTube. Do you know what I think the name it's, is? I don't know. See if you can I've find... Seen, I've seen one guy do a lot of breakdowns, and they're really well. I don't know if it's the same I, guy. I think Lawrence just does them under his name, but uh-huh. he's... A, He's a really, really smart guy yeah. and really, really aware of uh, of Muay Thai and really aware of the complexities. And he did a breakdown on Sanchai and one of the things Sanchai setting up high kicks yeah. and the way he he'll like sort of test you yeah. with some other kicks. And then he's got that really unusual way of throwing his kicks too, mm-hmm. where it, they literally come straight up. Yeah, there it is. But let's go back to that fight. I want to go back to that fight. I don't want you to oh, change. Oh, yeah. I've seen some of the guys. And yeah. that, that's kind of um, what we were speaking of earlier in the gym is it's just that one thing. He's kicked. But but he has so many ways and variables to set that up as mm-hmm. far as speed. And so he uses all these things to test you. And once he figures that out, you're done. And that's how he's able to destroy basically everyone at every level of the sport because he has so many answers to that one question. You beat him, didn't you? No, it was a split decision. A split decision? Lost. Why did I feel it? Well, oh, Kieran saying you won. <laughs> Some people think it. <laughs> if I didn't get dropped, but that not really dropped one. Yeah. That's how Cecil killed him. Oh, Cecil, Cecil people's me. got you with a, a bad count. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was a split, right? Yeah. It was, or uh, 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 it was a it's yes, it's kind of ironic having Cecil Peoples be the referee in a fight that's a Muay Thai fight because Cecil Peoples is one of those guys that says that you can't stop people with leg kicks. <laughs> That was like one of his quotes about, it was one of the bad decisions that went down where he's like, leg kicks don't stop fights. I'm like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> yeah. And that's, how are you allowed to even say that? It's the unfortunate thing about fighting is you have people regulating these arts who have no idea about them whatsoever. 
Well, that's a giant issue with uh, the UFC. Yeah. It's a giant issue with judging. And I would imagine with Muay Thai, it's even more difficult to yeah. find competent judges you and referees. Can't. You can't. You're getting, you're getting boxing judges doing mm-hmm. Muay Thai. You're, you're, yeah. you're getting karate right. guys doing uh, Muay Thai. And these are the people who are basically controlling the outcomes of these fights if there's no stoppage. Right, and it's it, it's it's crazy. It's now, crazy in Thailand. Wow, that fucking sneaky left leg he's got, man. In Thailand, um, what? How do they approach the clinch? Because you're seeing in this fight, like Cecil is breaking you guys up almost immediately as soon as you tie up. It's 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 such a complex thing too. You know, it's not just the fact are these guys working? Well, what are they doing? If you don't have a deep understanding of it, you're not going to be able to to. Uh, Right. Ju- judge it or ref it right. accurately. You know what yeah. I mean. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a matter of time. Is it's a, not a matter of people yeah. moving around. It's right. what are they doing? Are they affecting each other? Are they hurting each other? Right. Are they just mindlessly li- lifting their legs up to appear to stay busy? Where if somebody doesn't know that, me just lifting my leg up, be like, oh well, he's staying busy. He's active. Why are they breaking yeah. him up? But I wasn't really doing anything. Right. I was right. just screwing. Yeah, around. like a lot of times they're like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna let you guys work in the clinch, but they just let. Like you're not doing anything, and they mm-hmm. just let it go, and not not knowing yeah. when people are stalling out or are trying to buy time or just just moving their legs for the sake of looking like they're actually kneeing each other, and the, and these judges and these refs don't have an understanding of that. That's an issue with ground fighting as well. It's an issue oh, with the, the UFC when certain fights go to the ground, whether it's judging or whether it's even refereeing. Like some guys are setting up certain positions, and then the referee will come up and stand them up. Like that is crazy. Like this guys, they're working, they're fighting. Yeah, yeah. but like, if, I, I think that. In the clinch as well there's a lot of times they separate guys from the clinch when two guys if they're clinching up and they're both working to try to establish dominant positions yeah. one is eventually maybe going to win that dominant position battle yeah. and that's part of the grind yeah. I mean, part yeah. of the grind is a guy imposing his skill set his will his conditioning mm-hmm. all the above on his opponent and if you just get in and separate that because you want to watch a knockout yeah you're kind of diluting the sport yeah exactly. and it's like i don't care how much how many fights you've watched or how many courses you've taken if you haven't done this before if you've never fought before right. you don't know what's going on in there and that's that's the problem you have people even if they've been in the sport for a very long time and may have been around it for a very long time if you've never fought at least at some level you don't know what's going on in there. right yeah you're you're seeing it like you're seeing it, but you really don't know what you're seeing. Right. They're, and you don't know how much of it is actually effective and how much of it the guy's actually just absorbing things and blocking things. It's very – it's it's so complex, and yeah. I think that's one of the things that gets lost about fighting arts in general, but Muay Thai in particular, is all of the complexity that goes on. Like what you were saying that a lot of people, the misconception is that they look at it two guys that are just bruisers. Yeah. But what I'm watching here, I'm watching all this – complex interactions of footwork and uh-huh. kicks and elbows and knees and clinching and, and knowing when to time things and dealing with a really high-level opponent who's yeah. very crafty, and he's, he's sort of calculating all this stuff in his yeah. head as well. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's kind of the problem with there's only so much you can learn from a book. There's only so much you can learn from watching videos uh, until mm-hmm. you apply those things. It's like street smart and book smart. If you right. don't have that street knowledge... Your 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 knowledge is very limited, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so I don't care how much you think you know if you've never applied it. Mm-hmm. You, even you're, even you're even just like sparring, I don't care how much you spar, you know, until you get in there, you don't know what it's like. You know? Right, I'm, I can yeah. only imagine. Yeah, you know, I think that's the case with a lot of things. It's like I mean, I even joke about golf because I think golf is stupid. 
but I, I get the people that do it a lot. Yeah. To them, it must be complex. Like they yeah. must understand all the different aspects of it. And I, I say that about playing pool too, that it's an art form mm-hmm. that's only interesting for people that do it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that's cool about going to like what I'm seeing here. This is a small arena or small crowd. Super small. I mean, it looks like there's only like four or 500 people in that whole place. Yeah, it was, if it that. was tiny, man. And so that kind of shit. I mean, you look, here. here's you, world championship caliber fighter fighting another world championship caliber fighter, both guys in their prime, and you're fighting in front of 50 people. <laughs> You know, and but it's yeah. super and making a couple books, and it's super complex. I mean, yeah. what's going on is you know this exchange, the interactions, and I think one of the things about having guys like Lawrence Kenshin uh, putting out these videos, and a lot of other people that have done these tremendous breakdown videos of Muay Thai, is that people that are fans, I mean, even if they don't train themselves, even if they just watch it, they can see things now that yeah. maybe perhaps they wouldn't have seen before, and then Definitely. appreciate what these athletes are doing. Like, there's a lot of people that watch football that can't fucking play football at all, yeah. but they can enjoy it. And mm-hmm. I think that you're seeing that in this, you know, and watching the, the oh. whoa, there's a, is that where he called a knockdown? <laughs> yeah. So, But he got right back up. I mean, why was that a knockdown? Because he got kicked in the head. Kieran, if you want to talk, you got to talk on the mic, okay? Look, one, motherfucker, I told you you were going to be on the show. One, one why, didn't you, why didn't you get a goddamn chair because, and Jamie no, will pull up the one, a microphone? No, no this is the one thing. Uh, this one thing that's lost that hasn't been co- discussed is because Kevin doesn't talk about it, is to this day, and how long ago was this fight? Four years. Four years ago. To this day, this is the only time that the WBC has ever sanctioned a diamond belt fight for a Muay Thai fight. What does that mean? What it means is that in boxing, when you have two great fighters from two different weight classes that meet at a catch weight, mm-hmm. they make it a diamond belt fight, and they put real diamonds on the belt, and it's the epitome of the WBC title. Okay. It's the only time in the history of the sport that the WBC made a diamond belt for a Muay Thai fight. That's what a watershed moment this fight was for Muay Thai in America. Thanks. Okay. Go sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I get it. No, for real. I mean, and also just important because it's rare that you see guys of this caliber going at it like this. I mean, it's a, it's a super exciting fight. Great fight. Um, where's Sanchai fighting now? He's he's starting to do MMA, isn't he? No, he was calling out Conor McGregor for a second. <laughs> was he? Yeah. Probably just to get a little attention. Yeah, I don't know. Like they're yeah. all just talking about stuff and doing yeah. stuff. But but does, will it actually? Happen? I mean, they talked about Bukau doing uh, MMA for a long time because he was training a little bit. But yeah. but is he gonna actually do it? I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about Thai fighters is that they're really good in the clinch and taking people down. Yeah. You know, and really good at avoiding being taken down. Yeah. Well, people, a lot of people don't understand how much similarities there are when it comes to the clinch and wrestling and judo. And, you know, I went and trained with the, the Black Belt judo team in uh, San Jose before I had a shoe boxing fight, and they just could not believe that I could hang with their high level black belts. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, it's all this kind of similar stuff. And, like, like, yeah, your setups might be a little bit different, but all the fundamentals that go in a Muay Thai clinch are very similar to uh to judo it's just a, a difference of things you can and cannot do but but the base and the fundamentals of it are go across the board yeah, yeah you see that a lot with uh with sweeps and trips and mm-hmm. like you see some really interesting 
trips and sweeps yeah. in Muay Thai that are very, very technical about yeah. like manipulating guys, setting them up in one direction, then changing direction on them and throwing them mm -hmm. to the ground. It's really cool stuff to yeah. see. Well, a lot of um, a lot of the stuff in, in, in the Muay Thai clinch is very similar to uh, uh, Greco wrestling. You yeah. know, a lot all upper mm -hmm. body uh, throws and stuff because we can't shoot in, but everything we can do is, is above the waist and, and mm -hmm. those kind of manipulations and off balancing. And that's why, like, like if I just do Greco wrestling, I, I, I do pretty well. You know, and, and people are always often surprised. By, by how well my wrestling or jujitsu is if I'm just messing around doing it because there's so many similarities. Right. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Now, when you're watching fights in Thailand, they judge um, the, the clinch is a, a very important part yeah. of the fight. Whereas a lot of times in, um, in America, when you're looking at the clinch, we think of it the same way we look at a clinch in boxing. Yeah. Like the yeah. guys are just stalling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 a way to dominate and, and and show your strength and ability over over your opponent. You know, and if you can control someone and and damage them and and, and land these clean knees on someone, it, it's showing your superiority over them. You know, but again, like you said, here um, we don't have a as good an understanding of it. So yeah, we just view it as oh, they're just they're just they're just resting or they're just you know they're not doing anything in there. Right. You know what I'm saying? Now, when guys take guys down in Muay Thai, like, how much does that count? Like, how are they scoring fights? Obviously, knockdowns are critical, but, like, if you dump a guy a bunch of times, meaning you sweep him and trip him and slam him on his back, how much of a factor is that in, in a fight? It should be a huge factor if they're scoring these correctly because, again, showing your, your balance, your dominance, and your control is, is one of the most important things. So, so being able to throw someone on the ground and, 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 and you're, you're still just standing there is... is huge a huge scoring thing is how you're doing it important because like what if you just get double underhooks and just crush them towards you and just bend <laughs> them over and um you know it, it, it it's there's so many factors yeah. man mm -hmm. that go into it and again if if you have a a judge or a ref that basically ha has a very elementary understanding of this sport they can't uh um give you an accurate uh, judge of this or, mm -hmm. or, or an, act, uh, an accurate reffing of this because they, they, they're not so, their knowledge isn't so deep. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, like me watching a uh, jujitsu match and trying to score it. Like, I mean, I can kind of score it, but, right. but I wouldn't be able to if I spent my life in the sport. Right. You know what I'm saying? What I'm kind of getting at is there, is there style points? Like, style points, you know look, what I'm saying? Looking cool, something is dope. You know, you like hit you, a guy with it, a beautiful sweep and dump like, him on his back. It's like versus, if you sweep somebody and, and seamlessly do it, and make it look like nothing, as opposed to sweeping them like falling on top of them, and right. you both lose their bounce. Of course, yeah, 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 without a doubt. That's a weird thing to like objectively call, though, right. isn't it? Yeah. 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 Judging is such a strange thing. Isn't it's it? tough, man. And I'll be the first one to admit that that it's a very complicated thing. You know, I've judged fights. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, yeah. you know, it, and then I'm thinking, trying to think of it from the mentality of someone that's never done this before or only, yeah. only taken like a course. I'm like, how, how can you do that? I have a hard time doing it. And I've, I've spent 15 years doing this sport. You, know you, I mean? you had a controversial loss in Lion Fight. Yeah, your, earlier your this first year. I, I, yeah, I, first fought, I fought Crompid, uh, yeah. tied with over a couple hundred fights. And that was your first loss. That was my first loss. Yeah, that, I didn't yeah. think you lost that fight. Yeah, I well, watched they, that fight they twice. Over, they overturned it. They did? Yeah, after, yeah. 18, that fucking never happens. 18 judges from 
all around the world or something like that. They can do that? I, I guess. I, Holy I, shit. I, honestly, I didn't care. I still don't because I had a great fight and I put everything on the line. I I did. I thought I did the best that I could. You know, there. I mean, there's some things that I think I could have done better. Like It was maybe. a great fight, no doubt about it. It was a close fight, no doubt mm-hmm. about it. But I thought you won. And I watched and I was like, hmm. And then uh, I remember Pat Miletic and Michael Chavello were both saying they thought yeah. it was a bad decision. Yeah. And so uh, then I watched it again. I said, well, I'm going to watch it one more time. And I was like, man, I think that was a bad decision. And I remember now that you're saying that, I remember hearing that it was overturned. Yeah. I think maybe they brought it up on a, a, a broadcast afterwards during your next fight. Is that what happened? Is that when they brought it up again, maybe? Am I making this up? It was the next event. I wasn't fighting on it, but they brought okay. it up. Yeah. Oh, it was and the was, next and event. I, and I was on the broadcast. Yeah. Is that rare that they overturn a fight? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's rare. <laughs> Yeah, I never, I never seen it. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. such a tough thing, especially, especially in a fight that wasn't like so lopsided. You know, mm-hmm. re- relatively close. It's just a matter of how how you're viewing it, what you're what you're giving more or less credit to, and it seems like a simple thing to do on the outside. Well, he hit him more, or, or well, he rocked him more, but but there's so many levels to this. It's yes. kind of like we were talking about earlier. It's not it's not an on or off thing. It's a dial. You know right. what I mean? And and. Unless you're in there, you can't even tell how much impact this is doing on you, how much it's really hurting you. Right. You know, from the outside. And that's why it's very important, especially like for the ties, to have that stone cold face where nothing is affecting them because you don't really know. This person could just get crushed with a, with a right hand and they didn't even move or, or show anything. Right. It makes it very difficult for, for a judge to say, well, this this punch should get this, this amount of credit or, or this much credit as opposed mm. to just that pitter pat stuff. So. You know, it, it's very difficult thing to do and to, to do correctly and accurately because there's so many variables and th- so many things you're seeing or not seeing depending on where you're sitting, how you're viewing it. If you're in there, if you're out there, if you're on the left side of the ring, the right side of the ring, there's there's it's too complex a thing to. That's why I could never say anything about a, a decision. It's like, well, it, it's such a difficult thing to do, you know, mm-hmm. unless it was so one sided. Like, how in any way could you view this? But if if any fight is relatively close, I don't see how you can complain really uh, about the decision because no matter what, sometimes you're going to be on one side of it and sometimes you're going to be on the other side of it where maybe you didn't win and, and they gave it to you. You know, one of the things I love about talking to fighters and especially about putting it on a podcast is I think. It gives people the impression of fighters, the like a similar impression to what I have. Uh-huh. I think a lot of people have a, a, the wrong impression. They yeah. have this impression that fighters are all, "Hey, I'm a bad motherfucker. I'm out there to fuck the world and kick ass." And but really, the very best fighters are almost all very intelligent yeah. and very complex people. Yeah, and what what you do when you fight, when you compete, is uh, is like a representative of your focus. Uh-huh. It's like all the stuff that you had to do to get to that moment, especially after you've done it a few times and you're aware of all the demands mm-hmm. and you've you know risen to the occasion on more than one time and you realize like all the variables that are involved in it. You know, it's cool talking to you guys and, and, and going over that stuff and it's sort of I think there's a lot of people that are listening right now and like these fucking guys are sharp. Like there's, <laughs> there's a lot going on to this that I didn't think is it, it's a thing that you don't you don't see the whole thing sometimes. Yeah, ever, ever. It's, it's, yeah. We, we see, and then, like when it comes to fighting, you're viewing 15 minutes of something someone put their entire life into, and yeah. you're gonna, you judge them on this very small fraction of a moment in their life. And, and that, that's why fighting is one of the, I think, more stressful sporting things you can do because 
we put so much into such a little thing that is viewed. Mm-hmm. And this is the only thing we're judged on. We're not judged by how hard we train or how much we kill ourselves or the things we've had to overcome in the gym. It's like what you did on that day in that moment and how, how you came across is, means everything. You know what I mean? Whereas other things, you, there's other other ways around it. And you're like, yeah, you could have a bad day, but tomorrow you're going to have a better day. It's like, this is the day. This is the only day. And not the only day, 15 minutes or half an hour, whatever it might be. It's not like football that, where there's a season and, okay, we'll make it up the next game. You know, people yeah. don't really truly understand how much goes into this and how much we put it and into that's why our camps bad, and everything. bad judges and bad refs is like, yeah. it's life and death. Like, you are yeah. literally have my life in your hands and you are incompetent. Yeah. I mean, even in the UFC, you lose three times, you get cut. So Sometimes twice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Yeah, I mean, depending upon, there's a lot of variables that, that are involved in that. But what what fighting is to me, the way I always like to describe it, is high-level problem solving with dire physical consequences. <laughs> and so when you watch someone who's absolutely sensational at it, you know, like when you watch an Anderson Silva in his prime, mm-hmm. you, you see some guy who's just figured out a way through this puzzle in this yeah. really extraordinary way. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a beauty to that that I, I, I think the people that really love and appreciate fighting can can understand it and can feel it and see it. Mm-hmm. And I always want to try to find a way to express that to other people. Like, yeah. do you see what I'm seeing? <laughs> you know, because if you saw what I'm seeing, you'd be fucking freaking out just like I am. Yeah, yeah. it's tough, man. Uh, especially like you said, if if you don't have experience in that sport or have trained or fought yourself, like you you can't appreciate it as much as someone who hasn't mm-hmm. and is just viewing it from from the outside. You know, like, you know what goes into this. You know how hard it is. You know what it feels like to get hit. You know what it feels like to, to have to come these obstacles in training and preparing yourself for a fight. It's not just this surface thing, like, two guys in the ring and they're fighting and it's over and it's done. When you saw there was some recent event that, uh, what, what was it, NBC or whoever was putting it into, they spent, like, hundreds of millions of dollars on boxing they had uh, a few events. Mm-hmm. They lost a shitload of money, yeah. and then it's done. It's out, and it, it falls apart. I watched something like that. And I'm like, God damn! They put so much effort into this. If mm-hmm. they just put together a fucking stacked Muay Thai card, mm-hmm. just a stacked one, oh and just God. let people know and put it on prime time TV, just mm-hmm. like they do with Fox with the UFC. I feel like you can't miss. Yeah. I really do. I just I feel like it's one of those things where the product is there, the talent is there, the the, the fighters are established. Yeah. There's so much high level talent. I mean, when anybody watches Muay Thai, even in on TV, live especially, they're like they just fall in love with it. It's yeah. like, oh my god, like where where has <laughs> where's this been? Yeah, yeah. where's this been? Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're a fan of exciting shit, yeah, you should be a fan of Muay Thai. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's. As we said earlier, there's so many variables that go into it, and it's just a matter of the, the, all those right pieces coming together at the right time. It's same, it, just like when the UFC really started blowing up with the Stefan Bonner and uh, uh, Forrest Griffin fight, like how long it had been around, how many amazing fights had been going on, and it yeah. was just that, the right time, the right people, the right thing blew it up. Yeah, it was 12 years old. A lot of people forget. You the know? UFC was 12 like, years old when that long, happened. How long did they struggle? How much money did they yeah. lose? Like, how many promotions came and went? And It's the same thing with Muay Thai. It's just, you don't know what the right combination and the right time is, and 
hopefully one day those the, all those pieces will come together uh, if if not we're just doing the best we can with what we have now you as a fighter and you're 34 now 36 36 <laughs> this is you know when you're an athlete this is the you know there's a there's a window i think sanchez 36 too yeah we're there's the same a, age where there's a window there's like where your body is going to function at the level that it's at right now uh-huh. for a certain amount of time and not much more yeah does that does that fuck with you? Does that um, when you think so, about sometimes you know uh, after uh, after I had two really bad losses, I lost my uh, I lost my world title um, by stoppage, and then I got knocked out the next fight. I was really struggling mentally with with a lot of things. Like I don't know, can I still do this? You know, I'm too old to do this. And and I had all these questions in my head, and, w- and what I realized, what Kieran helped me realize right before I, I, I won that uh, WMC title in Peru was I've had all these questions from day one. I'm too old to do this. I don't know if I'm good enough, you know. But my answer has always been the same. Do I love to do this? Yes. Can I physically still do this? Yes. Well, then I'm going to do the best that I can and give this everything that I have. And that's not going to change. I don't know if that's going to be over today, tomorrow, 10 years from now. You know what I mean? So as long as I'm physically able to do this, and as long as I still have a love and a passion for this, I'm going to keep doing it. And, and I've been I, People have been asking me how long I'm going to keep doing this for, for over 10 years. There's an old expression that a fighter lives and dies in their own mind, you yeah. know, and when you're at your best, like you were telling me when you were 16, you felt invincible, yeah. you know, when you're, when you're, you're confident, you can pull the trigger faster, you have more belief in yourself. Mm-hmm. When you're saying, I'm just going to do my best, like when you, when, is there a thing in your head that says, man, I wish I was in that state where I felt invincible or does that not matter? Yes and no. It, it definitely does. Uh, um, there, there's a point where thinking you're invincible it can backfire. Sure, you know, like like you think about like Tyson. Of course, like he was invincible, but as soon as he lost that, he, it was very, he couldn't overcome it. Have you ever mm-hmm. heard Tyson talk about what was going through his mind when he was walking to the ring? Yeah. Have you ever heard him do yeah. that thing? Have yeah. you heard him do it? Yeah. I fucking love that recording. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've I played that like thirty or you got it. Cue that shit up, yeah. Because there's something about that where it's so raw and it's honest. It's after he had been retired, and, you know, and he had just was kind of reflecting mm-hmm. about all the nerves that would go through his mind and all the the the, the here it goes intimidation. Most guys we have um, pretty much intimidated. They lost the fight before they even got hit. Most guys, I knew I knew the um, artist Skadoggery. These guys, I knew how to beat these guys psychologically before I even got in the ring with them. As soon as I come into the ring, as soon as I come into the ring, I'm gloved. No, stop it. That's not true. While I'm in the dressing room, five minutes before I come out, my gloves are laced up. I'm breaking my gloves down. I'm, bro- I'm pushing the lever in the back of my gloves. I'm breaking the middle of the glove so my knuckle could pierce through the leg. I feel my knuckle piercing against the tight leather gloves on the Everlast boxing glove. When I come out, I have supreme confidence, but I'm scared to death. I'm totally afraid. I'm afraid of everything. I'm afraid of losing. I'm afraid of being humiliated. But I'm totally confident. The closer I get to the ring, the more confidence I get. The closer, the more confidence I get. The closer, the more confidence I get. All during my training, I've been afraid of this man. I thought this man might be capable of beating me. I've dreamed of him beating me. But, that, but I always stayed afraid of him. But the closer I get to the ring, I'm more confident. Once I'm in the ring, I'm a god. No one could beat me. <laughs> gives if me that, chills, if man. That shit doesn't give you goosebumps. <laughs> oh when my I get god! In that ring, I'm a god. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I fucking love that. 
I love that. Because that, what you were saying about all that work for that one moment, mm -hmm. there's so much mind fucking going on. Yeah. It's yeah. so mental, you know, oh, people, and, and that's the thing. Like people don't understand how mental fighting is, yeah. and they can't really appreciate it. So, and the, you, yeah. the hardest part is after you have been broken to still get that back, and yeah. that's a very tough thing to do. So, if you've gone undefeated for so long, you finally lose. Not a lot of people come back from that, yeah. or not a lot of people get back to the level they were. Like I was very fortunate; I lost, I got crushed my first fight, and and I was able to to overcome that and to build myself up and it helped it motivate me. And, and then I went on to win like eighteen fights in a row after that. But I saw a lot of people go undefeated for ten, fifteen fights, and they just had this amazing confidence. They were just crushing everybody, but they were also not learning a lot of very important lessons that they needed to learn. And so once they finally lost, it almost destroyed them. Yeah. And, and it's very tough to get so far in a game and and miss all these lessons you need to learn until you're forced to learn them. You know what I mean? So yeah. if, if you can find a way to learn them as well, as, but nothing teaches as good as losing. Yeah. There's also losing. I mean, you see it in MMA, like fighters from different disciplines, maybe grapplers or something like that, that lose by KO for yeah. the first time. It's yeah. a completely different animal. Definitely. Yeah. And, and that's what happened with me when I was saying my two losses. Like, I'd never been... I'd never been uh, stopped. Well, I've been stopped, but not, not really hurt or, or really knocked out before. And, and that happened twice in a row. And it was it was really devastating for me mentally to have that happen and, and to try to get back to where I was prior to that. And not just skill, like skill, skill, skill. But th there's so many other factors that go into this. You know, the way the way that you think about things, it's like being confident but not overconfident. Being confident but and and understanding the danger and the, and the things that'll keep you sharp without without affecting you. It's like. It's like finding that balance between being too nervous and too calm. Like yeah. I've always been more way, way too calm, like for my own good. And I always thought, well, you're kind of a calm dude. Yeah. Most of the time you're very mellow, <laughs> you know, and, and in the beginning I thought everybody was like that. And then, and then I would see people getting ready for fights and they're freaking out and like they can't walk and they're like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And these are like high level people who I've been watching. I'm like, geez, man, like what's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> I don't understand. Like, what are you so nervous about? You're amazing. You know what yeah. I mean? But, but I, I, one day I realized like being too calm isn't so great either because I went into a fight once and like i had no adrenaline going i'm like half asleep I'm like all right man you know about the fight and this guy's coming around at the, across the ring from me i'm like all right all right we, we, this guy's gonna try to kill you you better like get going and it took me a, a, a whole round to get back into that mental zone you, you ever seen I mean? that cowboy Cerrone video of his breakdown walking uh walking to the cage no, Cowboy it's, it's has similar, a breakdown. It's, similar, it's just like that. Where it's he's talking similar. about his it's his awesome, mental, yeah, his mental, mental approach, process, and everything. It's it's really good. It's really good. He's changed a lot of stuff mm -hmm. in his game, and he's a guy that has survived some pretty devastating losses yeah. and come back even better. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's that is really the key because no eventually, if you do this long enough, those things are going to happen. Yeah, and how if and how you overcome them is really what shows you what a, what a great fighter is. Because anybody that goes around winning. And just crushing people is yeah, that's great right. and all. But if you have never come back from total destruction, you're not a complete fighter. I don't feel. Yeah, Cowboy since the Dos Anjos fight is the best version of yeah. Cowboy ever. Mm -hmm. And before that, it was the Pettis fight. The Pettis fight, he got stopped. And the Pettis fight mm -hmm. came back yeah. better than that. He's a guy that is like the adversity builds him. Yeah, it makes him stronger. Have you ever worked with a psychological coach or? Uh, uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, back when I was in Vegas. Um, you know, I, I originally started doing it because I broke my hand three times in a year, and I was always r so hesitant to throw it. And I'm like, I, 
it it's always painful and stuff and i, I just like mentally couldn't get over it and i started uh um that was how i originally started working with a, a mental coach with like a sort of hypnosis but but more just getting uh getting to that right mind frame like going into the ring and then i started to, um, going from there as uh, like very specific things i wanted to work on because it's all about having that right mentality when you get in there or, or, or when you're getting into training as opposed to just going through the motions and you can get very especially when you've been doing this for so long you can get very comfortable and mm -hmm. too comfortable and and that that's one of the problems i've had especially being so calm as i am it's very easy for me to just be like, ah, oh, this is whatever, you know, like we're just so, hanging out. So you're, I'm sorry, I'll get to you. No, it's okay. So, so your mental coach would help you with your mindset for training to prepare. Training, to, training as well as fighting. Um, you know, like what kind of stuff did you work on? Like, well, like for training, uh, just, just having that, 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 um, like I'm here for a purpose. I'm here to, to very specifically build myself up, get ready for this fight. I'm not just here, I'm not just here to work out. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's the difference between working out and training. You right. Know, and that, and that, that's something like you're very focused on the task at hand. And w why are you doing this? You're doing this to be the best. And that, and like you're getting ready for this day, you need to give it all you have at this very specific moment. And, and instead of just casually getting through the training, you know, you're doing everything you're supposed to do. But if you're not mentally doing that as well, when you get into the ring, you're going to fight in that kind of laid back casual way, as opposed to this being this very, um, you know, dangerous thing you're doing. So you're training, you're, you're specifically gearing up to an event. Yeah. Like just dialing, sure. dialing everything in, you know what I mean? And, and, you know, some people have more of that automatic thing. They're like, when I'm in the gym, I'm very focused, very determined. I'm doing this for this specific goal. Um, but but after you've been doing this for so long, it just becomes like, I'll just get through it and do it. And it, you kind of almost get lazy mentally. Not I've never been lazy physically. Um, you know, I've always pushed myself almost too much. But uh, mentally, uh, uh, there's been times when, I, when I've had those those bad fights is when I've allowed myself to slip. Whether that's because, you know, I, I just the person I was fighting didn't didn't uh, th give me enough uh, threat in my mind, or or I, there was things going on outside the gym with family and, and you know pets dying and things like that 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 kind of broke certain things in me down. Where I was still doing the work, but mentally I was just broken. Yeah, relationships are a big one with fighters, right? Yeah, you know when you see fighters, they get in a broken up relationship, or they have a crazy girlfriend or something. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of fighters. Like, there's a buddy of mine who used to work with fighters, and it would seem like every time his fighter was getting to get ready to compete, his girlfriend would have some fucking major drama, and she'd yeah. be waking him up in the middle of the night, <laughs> oh screaming God. at him, and. <laughs> She just wanted to fight like as he was gearing up to a fight because he was pulling away from her and concentrating more on what this event was going to be. So she didn't like the fact that he was spending yeah. less time paying attention to her. So she started getting super needy yeah. and it would fuck him up every time. It's tough, man. And that's why you'll see a lot of fighters leave and go away to camps, you know, mm -hmm. things like boxers and stuff. They'll yeah. totally leave town and, and, you know, set up shop somewhere else because you have to be so focused on this one thing. I mean, yeah. your, your life is on the line. Even just in the gym, your life is on the line. We don't really, really think about it or, or, you know, put that much emphasis on it. But every day we get in there, we, we, we risk uh, injury and, and death, which is obviously a severe case. But, but it happens definitely. And, and if you're not taking the necessary uh, precautions and going into it with, with that right uh, mentality, then you can get hurt really bad. 
What were you uh, going to say? I've been really lucky. You know, I, I, I've been with Karen since I was 16, so he's not only been my coach, but he's also been my mic, my mind coach. He knows me so well. You know, he knows as soon as we're going to hit pads, if something's going on, you know, or I'm in my head or anything, he knows. By just my, my body movement, uh, he's like, hey, what's up? What's mm-hmm. going on? Right. Let's, get, let's get out of your head. Come on. Right. Are, are we going to work? What, what's the deal? You know, he, he knows me so well that he knows he – he can see it a mile away, even, yeah. you know, just by my texting or mm-hmm. whatever. And, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky. And that's why it's him. important to have. And it's like not just a great coach or a great team. It's having people around you who know you. Right. You know, and they can see these elements that maybe someone who you haven't been around long enough wouldn't see before. They might not pick up on just that yeah. very subtle vibe you have. I'm like, dude, like what the hell is going on with you? Even though you're doing everything correctly, yeah. you're training really hard. But like you can see that that thing that's off in their head and like that's what what's great to, to have people who you're friends with and have been around for a long time is like i can see that in him he can see that in me mm-hmm. and be like dude like you know like we need to talk about something like what's right, going on right. with you and like maybe you just ease back a little bit and you need to like fix that thing whatever i mean and there's so many things that could be you know what i mean whether it's you overthinking the fight or whether there's something going on with someone outside the gym or you just have you just got a bad vibe or it's and it's knowing when sometimes you got to take a little step back and maybe not push yourself so hard be like hey man just ease back a little bit you know it's all about finding that winning mm-hmm. combination yeah. whether it's you know and obviously your mindset what you need to think about is probably going to be different than Gaston's Completely mindset different. and yeah, pro- probably going to be different than you know fill in the blank Joe Schilling's mindset yeah. everybody's got their own little weird yeah, tweaky shit that yeah. you have. That's to why f- I can't just tell him, "Oh, just right. do this." I'm right? Like, I don't know, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, people ask me, "Well, what should I do mentally to like mm-hmm. prepare myself?" I'm like, I have no idea. Right. I don't even know for myself what that is because it's a constant learning and adjusting yeah, thing. It can change every camp, you know. People don't like that. Yeah. People like to be able to show up at work at nine o'clock. There's a coffee break at ten thirty. You know, at noon they go to yeah. lunch. At five p.m. they go home. You I know, wish it work was, I wish it was that easy. But you don't. Easy. You yeah. don't. You'd yeah. hate it. You'd <laughs> hate it i would hate it i would hate it. i'm like why this is stupid everybody can do this <laughs> well when you've experienced life at 10 like you guys are living you know you're living this extremely dangerous difficult incredibly complex life yeah i mean the, the task of being a professional combat sports athlete is one of the most difficult jobs that is available to a person. Yeah. It really is. It's it's incredibly difficult. And it's incredibly difficult psychologically. It's not just difficult. Phys- it's v- difficult across the board. There's mm-hmm. not a single fucking thing that's easy about it. Yeah. And to find the right formula to make that thing work for you, it's it's so it's it's there's so much involved. Yeah. And you really have to pay attention to it because the, the longer you let things slide and, and don't realize like, hey, you're letting this slip over here, the harder it is to, to make those adjustments. That's what I was saying. Like every day it's you're on both sides of, of too much or too little of, of one thing or another, whether it's training, whether it's your mental approach, whether it's your diet, whether it's how much or how little you're running. There, there's so many variables that go into everything. What about strength and conditioning? You guys do you follow yeah, a strength and conditioning I, routine? Tons, tons. Yeah. Of, what kind me, of stuff do you do? I I can't even like begin to. Yeah, we do we do some Tabata stuff. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of sprints. Uh, it just really depends. It, it switches every day, really. Yeah, for us. And, and again, it's that thing where you have to find what works best for you on that day, in that moment, in that in that certain fight. It's mm-hmm. like 
how how much is too much how how little is too little and, and you're, you're dialing that in yeah. constantly and some because sometimes you go to bed like okay this is what i'm gonna do tomorrow but then you wake up and you're like this is not gonna work for me today man right yeah. you're sore or yeah. Yeah. and so like sometimes just doing it for the sake of like yeah i'm gonna do it because I, I don't feel like i'm doing what i need to push myself sometimes that's not the wisest thing just mm. pushing yourself for the sake of pushing yourself isn't always the right answer you know mm. what i mean and, and trying to find that is very difficult it's like I was saying before about like what injury is too bad to where you should take this fight off. And what's an owie? I, I don't know, dude. <laughs> what's that? What's an like, owie? What's, what's an, an owie and what's, what's an injury? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, oh, I stubbed my toe. Like like going into my world uh, title fight, I, I, I busted my rib like uh, nine days prior to. I couldn't even breathe. I couldn't even move for two days. I'm like, hey, maybe you should not fight. And yeah, that went through my head, of course, because I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even touch it. But I'm I'm always somebody like I said I'm I'm gonna do it no matter how what. bad was it broken? What was it? Uh, intercostal tear. Oh, okay. So it's the tear of the tissue in between yeah, the ribs. Yeah. yeah, that's very painful. So it was when it happened. My rib was sticking out like that. Yeah. Pop it back into place and like duct tape it down, and I literally couldn't take a breath. And, uh, the, and, and I was uh, like, I, how am I gonna fight? I can't even train. I still got like a, over a week to go you know i gotta make weight i gotta do all these things and it's all i'm laying in bed for two days just taking these short breaths i couldn't lay down i couldn't sit up and i'm just like i've been working so long to get to this point and this happens to me right before it's like it was brutal so what'd you wind up doing i fought and crushed him <laughs> i fought that same night too yeah did you was, uh did you get a cortisone shot or anything in it uh no no i i got i got a lot of body work done um um, I, I worked with my, uh, mind coach a lot, like, cause I was just like, I literally, if somebody touches me there, I'm, I'm done. Like I'm, my body's going to fall. Like, even if I'm mentally strong, like mm-hmm. that's what I was so worried about. I was like, I'm gonna go out there and this guy's going to touch me. I'm gonna fall. And I'm like, Oh, he knocked me out. You know what I mean? I, I was really worried about that, but I was like, well, you know what? He still has to do it. He might go the whole fight and not even touch me. You know what I mean? I can't be so concerned about this one thing that I'm not going to allow this to break me, you know? It's like, at what point do you do allow things to break you? And I'm like, there's nothing that's going to break me. There's nothing going to stop me. If I can physically get in there, I'm going to do it. There's a, a fine line that people um, make. They, 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 when, when they're training and they're putting together a schedule, there's a big debate, especially in MMA, over how much strength and conditioning you should do versus how much fight-specific skill training you should do. Mm-hmm. Where do you guys fit in on that, and how do you make the distinction? I feel like there should there should be a balance between both. You know, you gotta right. you gotta know what you're. So the, you the, think you have to do strength and conditioning? Definitely, 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 absolutely. And then you should run. There's a lot of fighters out there, MMA fighters that don't run at run, all. Run, running, sprinting, yeah. strength and conditioning. And, but again, it's it's different for every person. Now, when you yeah. say running, do you run distances? Do you run yeah. hills? What I run, run miles at a time. We we yeah. do a lot. We, yeah, the shortest run that I do is four miles, and I. Most of the times I do that twice a day. So, so you run eight, eight miles in a day. I mean, it just really depends, you know, how I'm feeling that day. That, so I go either four or you know whatever. But I, I every day I have to get my run in. Otherwise, I feel like I'm not training. Really? Yeah. So you do the run in the morning and then you train at night. Is that how you were doing it? So I run. I usually so Monday. Monday is kind of like a. It's not as long as it, as long of a day for me. Like I, I have like a long training session in the afternoon, but then Tuesday I run. Then we do strength and conditioning. Then I come back in the afternoon and I hit pads. Uh, then we all spar together. You know, so that's kind of like a longer day for me. So you have a couple days where it's just a, 
a big, brutal, crazy yeah. day. So yeah. that's like four workouts you're doing. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're running, you're running, doing conditioning, conditioning, run pad again, work, run again, pat work, sparring, uh, sparring. You know, then pull ups, neck exercises. You know, sometimes I do CrossFit in there, and I really try. I I try to put everything that I can into my training. So fight day comes. I'm I'm like, there's nothing else I could have done. Yeah. This is it. But, but you also have to find that. Mm-hmm balance between those things too so it's it's not like i can't a hundred percent crush every single thing i'm doing yeah. i can't sprint for six miles yeah. crush the pads as right. hard as i can spar as hard as i can kill the bag as hard as i can yeah. you know what i mean it's, it's right what is it that you're working on in that moment you know yeah. uh, am i just working on my technique and, and my things and my footwork and my movement and, and as well as that so it's not it's not like every time we do strength and conditioning it's this full-on kill yourself sprint you know, or it might be, and then, but later on, maybe we're doing a little more technical stuff. Yeah. So know? we definitely switch it up at the gym. Yeah. And how do you, man? I mean, that that balance, which is it, what's interesting about it, is like, how do you know the right way to go about it? Like, you don't. Fedor, towards the end of his career, I mean, he's, he's obviously back now, but towards the end of his MMA career, he abandoned all strength and conditioning, mm-hmm. and he's just doing fight training. He would yeah. just well, r- again, it's and, it's what works for the individual. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like. What would I do? I, it's not like I'm gonna tell everyone you need to do this yeah. because then you're gonna be like me. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have the same schedules. Yeah, we do. Right. We we're very different in yeah. the thing. We do we do a lot of stuff together, but there's a lot of stuff we don't do the mm-hmm. same at all. What's the differences between you two in terms of training? I, I probably don't. I don't run as much as he does anymore. I used to. Yeah, yeah but like the older I get, the less I'm running. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like I hate it, man. I hate. It. I'm like I've done. The, I've done the running. Oh, but my. is there benefit to you doing? I mean, is there anything wrong with you not doing it? I, I don't feel so. No. But but you have to find a way to make up for that. You mm-hmm. know, like I know people who hardly run at all, but they also find a way to sumpl- supplement that. Right. You know what I mean? They might do a lot harder uh, bag rounds or a lot more rounds. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to that, where. You know, there's not just one thing. Like you have to do this this many rounds, this this many miles. You have to do. You have to eat exactly like this. You have to do it exactly like this. It, it changes, and it changes for me daily, weekly. Uh, fight every fight's different. You know, I might do more, do less. You know, I've had fights where I couldn't run because I snapped all the tendons in my ankle, and uh, I had to swim instead. You know, and I still felt great in that fight, and I felt like I had just as much cardio and. But it, I had to I had to make up for it somehow in, in other aspects of what I was doing. And you're making up for this. You're the one who's got this schedule in your head. So yeah. there's that mind fuck of am I slacking off? Yeah. Am I pushing myself hard yeah. enough? And how do you know that kind of that kind of comes from the way I came up? You know, I came up with high trainers who didn't speak English. You know, I had to learn everything very much so by doing it myself and figuring it out myself. You know, I, I never had to, had people telling me what to do or wh- what I should eat, what I shouldn't eat. Everything I've done and learned, most of what I've done and learned has been by application. I find it it's hilarious and fun to watch when you see Thai guys training with American people uh-huh. and the American people don't speak Thai and the Thai yeah. guy <laughs> doesn't speak English and they're trying to teach them a technique. Yeah. And, you know, they're just kind of like doing it with yeah. their hip and you know it's, <laughs> yeah. it's this weird thing where you're looking at each other and they're trying to figure out what the other guy's saying yeah. well it's interesting because i didn't i didn't really start thinking of how complex what i was doing was until i started teaching people because i'd been doing this for almost 10 years before i actually started trying to train people and i remember the first time i, I taught somebody or maybe it was a seminar or something i'm like well just kick you know <laughs> just, just do it do it 
And then I'm like, oh, well, you got to do this. You got to do this. And I'm like, geez, there's like 15 steps yeah. involved in just a kick. Well, that's funny you said that because we worked out today and you're very complex. Yeah. I mean, you got I mean, we were talking just about the switch kick. Mm-hmm. And I think you went on this 10 minute rant <laughs> of just all the different variables that are mm-hmm. involved in it. It was very illuminating. Yeah. It, was, well, it was awesome. I it, it, again, it was it was I learned it by doing it, but it wasn't until teaching it that I had to figure out what all those steps were, and which has helped me um, in what I do and, and helped me improve a lot of the techniques I have. Is realizing all the the complexity of, of every technique of every movement, and and when I explain it to people and, and I train people, a lot of it is just me being like telling them how you do it you know where where how i learned was like just just do it like go run go kick the bag like yeah you gotta fix this and like by watching and and studying and and that's how really how i learned well what's interesting and maybe unfortunate is that you could train with a lot of people and they would never point out some of the stuff that you guys pointed out today yeah it's it's finding someone who's technically proficient and understands how to how to relay that information mm-hmm. it's one of the harder parts of being a martial artist unless you're a self-starter and you just do a lot of well now today obviously yeah. when you're day you couldn't do youtube but now <laughs> you can just get online yeah. you can watch a million yeah but you might find some shitty ones too i've found some shitty ones on all sorts of things where they don't know what the fuck they're talking about on all sorts of different martial arts techniques yeah well it's a thing that kind of it's like the unfortunate part of a lot of times high level people didn't really have to learn things because it came so naturally. Right. They didn't have to learn all the fundamental aspects that go into this technique, whereas somebody that might not be as good, they've studied it a lot more. Mm. And that's why a lot of times you'll see not the highest level of fighters be the better coaches because they've had to study it so much more and they've had to really look into it and and, and dissect it that much more because they weren't able to, or or for whatever reason, uh, do it so naturally. Like Freddie Roach. Yeah, without a doubt. He, I mean, he was an amazing fighter. But, he was but, a good fighter, really good fighter. Really good fighter. And, and, but, he, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't Mayweather. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Where, where, you know, Mayweather's probably not the, the best coach in the world. I don't know. But <laughs> a guy like Freddie Roach has really had to develop that and, and figure those things out. And he can tell somebody else, how do you do this? This is how yeah. you do it because I've had to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's something, like, I've kind of gone out of my way to do. Like, it was much more natural for me to do. But but throughout the years, I've, I've realized that, you know, and, and how do I tell someone how to do this? I've had to figure out what those things are and how do I, how do I tell someone how to do this? Because I, I can just do it just by doing it. I can watch somebody do something. I'm like, I'm going to do it. But but how do I explain this to somebody? And I've had to dissect my, my own self and realize all these things and all these um, aspects of the technique. And it allows me to uh, translate to, that to somebody else as well as um, fine-tune it in myself. Now, when you guys watch MMA and you see someone like uh, Stephen Thompson that has uh, he, very a few elements of uh-huh. Muay Thai he uses, but he uses a lot of sport karate, yeah. which is mm-hmm. uh, you know a completely different stance, a completely different style. What's your take on that when you watch that? Well, what, his style or when they his say style, that, it's, that it's Muay Thai? Well, they definitely don't really. I mean, well, it's he like, uses like with some the, leg kicks and some techniques, but essentially he's doing a sport karate style. Right. Well, it, w- it was kind of the same thing with Anderson Silva. It's like just because someone's throwing an elbow, just because someone has a clinch, doesn't necessarily make it Muay Thai. There's a lot of arts that have those things, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I'm not going to view him as a Muay Thai fighter. You didn't think of Anderson as a Muay Thai fighter? Not at no. all. He, not he not thought even. of himself as a Muay Thai fighter. No. Well, that's okay. 
But but I, I, would, I wouldn't no. view him as a Muay Thai fighter at all. View him as an MMA. Fighter. I don't think anything he did was very Muay Thai. Even his clinch was. I mean, that's such a fundamental, basic clinch. You know what I mean? That's just because everyone else was so terrible at it. Right. It's yeah. like grab the neck. Like you don't see that in high level Muay Thai. Guys going up and grabbing each other by the neck. It's in transition when they hurt people when they get tired. Very. It's very much uh, um, us. Uh, struggling for dominance over under those kind of things so it's like a big sloppy ridiculous arm bar yeah dude i mean like like it's like that's like day one muay thai so when you saw the like the rich franklin fight were you you going what in the fuck like how did he not learn this his first day in training and what was even worse was um i had a friend uh, that i trained with that went out to help him for the second one and he just didn't want to hear it. Like, they did not want to hear that, like, dude, you don't know what you're doing at all. Because as of what we talked about earlier, these guys get to a high level and think that their um, maybe Muay Thai technique is good. And I'm like, dude, you are like a kindergartner. Like, you don't know what you're doing at all whatsoever. So he didn't want to listen. So no. Wow, that's crazy. Like, After all right, losing all right, that. good luck. <laughs> so wh- who was it that went out with him? Uh, Anthony Brown, old uh, training partner of mine. And he was specifically brought there because of his Muay Thai. Yeah, without a doubt. I'm like, why would you? Why would you bring you know me in if if you're not going to use me? I mean, I've been brought in for people too, and I'm like, why wouldn't you use what you've brought me in here to do? You know what I mean? Like, you brought me in for my Muay Thai, for my knowledge in this thing, and, and you just want to keep doing what you're good at. Like, why am I here? This is stupid. That's unfortunate. He's such a nice guy and such a smart guy yeah, too. He, he was a math teacher, without he, doubt. How did you not see doubt. the math of? Of it, that. It, it's when people aren't people have a false sense of where they're at in the sport and what they can do and like you literally know nothing in it, but you have this mentality that you're you're decent at stand up you're decent at muay thai and you're terrible compared to someone that really does know what they're doing right you know what i mean M- yeah. most people's understanding is very elementary if that mm. you, you know you take another person and i'm gonna i could beat you without even like touching you you know what I mean? Just, and just let you mess yourself up because you don't really know what you're doing. It's, uh, it's crazy to think that someone could reach a world championship level in something that involves Muay Thai. But there's so many variables that go yeah. into it. There's wrestling. There's jujitsu, There's mm-hmm. all these things. There's, you can get away with a lot more, like, like the striking in MMA, you can get away with because of those variables, because of the smaller gloves, because of the takedowns. You know, mm-hmm. you put that person in the ring with even a moderately good Muay Thai person a moderately good boxer they're gonna get murdered right you know what i mean right right just like you can bring like a really good muay thai fighter in but they don't have any wrestling defense or no jiu-jitsu they're not gonna do it be able to do exactly exactly look like an idiot yeah it's well that's one of the appeals of mma yeah is that the guy who wins is most likely the best fighter Mm -hmm. because if it was just muay thai or if it was just wrestling or if it was just jiu-jitsu you would see someone who's the best at that but when you throw everything in like it's the kitchen sink get in there yeah and that's when you know you get to see like who's been i mean it's even more complex puzzle yeah well that's why like i've never really understood the argument of like pitting this person against that person or like who's got the best muay thai in mma well nobody because they're not doing muay thai they're doing Mm -hmm. mma right Right. so so that that argument that conversation is completely invalid like oh if you put this boxer in against this muay thai fighter who's gonna win i don't know what rules are they fighting under they're fighting Mm -hmm. under muay thai rules he's probably gonna get crushed right you know what i mean 
Well, it's interesting that uh, Wonderboy Thompson is going to fight Tyron Woodley, who's the UFC welterweight champion and who's this uh, super powerful wrestler, but who's also training with Duke Rufus, who's mm -hmm. obviously very talented, knows a lot about Muay Thai, coach. Yeah. great coach. Mm -hmm. um, what, when you see a guy like that, well, the reason why I keep bringing up uh, Wonderboy Styles because it's so unique. You know, yeah. we brought up Raymond Daniels in mm -hmm. Glory, who's one of the only guys that has like that similar background, yeah. and then Michael Page, of course, in MMA, who fights for Bellator, has a very similar style too. That sport karate style. What are the holes in that style? Like, what's what's the pros and cons uh, that you see as a I, as a I Muay Thai think, uh, fighter? What we were speaking of earlier, it's it's. If you've never applied that in a fight, a real fight, not 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 point sparring, not 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 that, that kind of thing, there's certain techniques and things that are completely worthless. And unfortunately, in a lot of those uh, sports, you're not you don't get exposed by that until it's way too late. So you're trying these techniques that you know a, a decent person is just going to walk right through because they look good and they're flashy and they're great on the pads and 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 all that, but but when you have to damage someone. Right. And, well, obviously, Thompson knows how to do that, though. Right. Obviously, Without he knows how to fight. And, it, and, so. it's, and it's using those techniques, but, it, but applying them in a, in a more fight-centric uh, way. And it's a completely different thing. But when you see, what, what I was trying to get at is that such a weird style where he stands sideways and he leaps in and out and mm -hmm. he moves back and forth from the waist like a snake. I mean, he's got a lot of, there's a lot of weirdness yeah. to the way he, he moves. And it's, it's very difficult to find anybody that has that level skill mm -hmm. with uh, sport karate, kickboxing, but also has a really good wrestling base too. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest things and why he's able to apply those things because because he can deal with the, the wrestling and everything else that goes in. So, so that's why you'll see him throw those techniques because he's not as worried about it as someone who might be just as good as him with those things and has zero ground or wrestling where they're not going to throw because they're going to get taken down and crushed. Yeah, it's like we were talking about your experience in a, a Taekwondo school mm -hmm. that you went there. And yeah. the, the first day you start doing sparring, you threw a low kick, and they're like, get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> Time to go. Yeah. It's, you're doing something too effective. Yeah. So being able to apply things in a real fight and being able to apply them uh, in the air is, is, is very different. Right. Obviously, we see Thompson can apply them in a real fight. Yeah. What is he doing that you see that's different? Like, I mean, obviously he's not a Muay Thai fighter, he's a kickboxer. But, like, yeah. when you see that stance, that weird stance, that sideways stance, uh -huh. what uh, do you think about that? Oh, I don't think much about it because I don't watch a lot of MMA. You don't? <laughs> I mean, I do a little, a little bit. bit. But I don't really, I don't, I wouldn't say I follow it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I watch right. it when it's on, and but I'm not, uh, you know, like paying attention to the fighters or tracking them throughout the years, you know that much i'm just so curious because you're so muay thai yeah. you know your style is so muay thai and you're obviously an expert at it i'm always curious as to like how a person like you observes uh, an expert striker in yeah. sort of another realm well uh, i think he's a, an expert and he's become an expert striker in mma so he's yeah. he's applying all the techniques that he know and ha he knows and ha ha have worked for him in mma so it's mm -hmm. different than if he would get in the ring and do Muay Thai. Yeah. So. How many um, fighters like him have done Muay Thai? Obviously, Raymond Daniels has done kickboxing. Mm -hmm. and, and Some, you know, and it, but it's, it's another one of those things where being able to apply the things uh, from your other sport into that. It, so, like we were talking about with uh, Raymond Daniels and Nicky Holtzkin, like he just walked him down and mm -hmm. was like, bop, bop, crushing yeah. the legs. And Valtellini, too. So, so yeah. at a certain level, it kind of you, you lose that like where your your spinning flashy techniques are going to work against you know those those mid level guys, 
but you put them in there with the best in the world, and a lot of that stuff gets exposed and, and is not working out so well. And you, you think that essentially demonstrates the effectiveness of Muay Thai at the highest levels? You think yeah, it's the it, best? It, it demonstrates the, the holes in some of the stances and techniques. Um, if I'm not flinching on the things you do and don't really care so much about you hopping around and spinning around, I'm just walking down crushing you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's where uh, that kind of gets exposed. So it's like, it's like putting a boxer into a, a Muay Thai fight. All I'm going to do is kick your legs and you can't punch me. Right, you know what I mean. But you take a boxer and teach them how to defend those, those kicks and stand in a little bit more of a, a squared up way, and where I can't use you use your weakness against you as much. You're going to have much better success, even if you never throw a kick. Now you just can take those kicks better and just kill me with your your high level hands. Well, you you said that you had uh, taken some boxing matches. I had four boxing fights. Yeah. And you just did it to stay active? Yeah. I mean, they were all on like a week's notice. Yeah. <laughs> One of them was like the day I got there. Like, well, this was when I was saying I was having all those fights fall through. And uh, I went to this fight. It was supposed to be a Muay Thai fight. And I told the promoter way ahead of time, like, look, I've had all these fights fall through. I'm not coming out there unless you have a fight for me. I'm like, not only do you need to have a fight for me, I need you to have a backup guy for me as well. He's like, don't worry, don't worry. We got it. We got it. I'm like, I called him before I went out there. I'm like, so the guy's still going to fight me, right? Yeah. Yeah. You got the backup guy too, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Get out there. Well, uh, yeah, they both backed out. So, um, (laughs) I don't know what we're going to do. I'm like, look, man. Day of? Day of. Is that much of an issue? Oh, yeah. And, And I was like, look, if you don't get me a fighter, you need to drag your ass into the ring. We're going to fight because I killed myself and you promised me we had a fight. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get you some. I'm going to get you somebody. I'm like, all right. So I weighed in, left, came back. He's like, well, we got somebody, but uh, he's a boxer. It's, it's a, do you want to do a boxing fight? And I used to carry my boxing shoes with me just in case. <laughs> and I would, I would bring my mouthpiece and my cup to fights even if I wasn't fighting just in case, you know, because that's ridiculous. Things, that's just how we came up. You know what I mean? And he's like, well, you can box. And I was like, all right, all right, let's do it. And this guy's standing right there. He was freaking out because, one, he was like 20 pounds bigger than me. I'd never boxed a day in my life before. And he's like, what is wrong with this guy? I was like, yeah, let's go, man. He's like, well, he's 20 pounds heavier than me. I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, let's go. I got some shoes. Like, I got some gloves. Let's fight. And, and I went out there and knocked him out. And, uh, you know, that was that was my first time boxing ever. But it was always like that, like a last-minute thing where I'm like, I can punch, man. Like, I'm, I'm going to do whatever I can do. Now, you're preparing for MMA. Yeah. So uh, how much different is your training? Are you still taking Muay Thai fights as well? Well, right right now we're in the transition. I just signed with Bellator. And I'm, you know, I'm re- I don't know what's coming next, if it's going to be kickboxing or MMA, but I'm definitely preparing for both. And so they haven't told you? I, I don't know yet because I don't know what card I'm going to be on. But, mm. I mean, my, my MMA training, even when we hit the pats, is – I stand differently. I'm I'm different. I move differently when yeah. I'm training for MMA. You know, I'm doing a lot of MMA rounds actually with the with the team with the guys uh, from uh, Team Cejudo. Well, the good thing about MMA is it'll still allow you to do spinning elbows. Yeah. The bad thing about kickboxing <laughs> is you can't do spinning elbows. Yeah. People don't know that's one of your signature techniques. Probably yeah. your signature technique. I mean, probably, yeah. I mean, you had some <laughs> spectacular knockouts in lion fight yeah. with spinning elbows. Thank you, man. Yeah. How the fuck could they take that away? Well, that's you know, ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to doing both. To be honest, uh, right. I'm looking forward to uh, you know improving on my boxing and really having to exercise that that style of fighting. And I'm really looking forward to doing MMA as well. You know, and, and you were fighting 145 in lion fight. 
140. 140? So MMA, I don't, I don't know yet. I'll probably start at 145, then going down to 135. You uh, think you can make 135? Yeah. You're a big guy. Yeah. I, I, can, I made 139 last time. Oh, how much yeah. do you weigh right now? Probably like 160, 158. What the fuck? Yeah. God, everybody's just killing themselves. That, to me, is uh, one of the most unfortunate aspects of fighting, is the, the drastic weight cuts. Yeah. And I just think the juice is not worth the squeeze. <laughs> I just feel like fighting itself is so goddamn difficult. Like, why complicate it even further by dehydrating your brain 24 well, hours before the fight? Yeah, and that's why I cut down so much, and I've been working with Mike Dolce for my last three camps, and it's been great. What I has mean, Dolce got you doing differently? Uh, just, like, the fact that he, send, he sends me all my diets, like... You know, before I we, we we I have like an off season diet as well. You know, so I I'm just ready getting ready all all year round. So do you fights. have like uh, pre prepped meals? Are they in the little containers and you open them up and they're out all of, portioned out, out? Out of the cave is a meal prep company that we have um, out there in Dublin, and uh, Kevin's sponsored by them too. So it's really easy. So I just have I get my diet from Dolce. I give him my I give out of the cave my diet, and I just get my meal prep every week. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah, that's gigantic. It definitely makes it a lot easier to you know not have to worry about cooking, not have to worry about any of that, and just training, you know, eating, and you're good. That's that is gigantic. Yeah. Now, what is uh, primarily what kind of foods are you eating, and do you vary that, and do you have different results with different diets? I my last diet was pretty good. I would have like oats in the morning. Um, oats in the morning with uh chia seeds and hemp seeds and that kind of stuff uh then i'll have my first workout my second meal will be eggs uh and then at night i'll have like fish or chicken or anything like that with asparagus or broccoli uh i found that to be really successful you know so um if you do vary it like what do you vary as far as like the fat content versus the carbohydrate content versus the protein content i mean do you uh do you mess around with that at all i used i used to do mostly a paleo diet it was you know 90 percent paleo except for a little bit of milk in my coffee but now i i actually added all these grains like oats and brown rice at night and i feel great you feel, feel better with that? I feel better with that. What was what is the difference between adding uh the grains and the extra carbs? I have way more energy. Interesting. I have a lot more energy and my my weight is even lower than it was when I was just trying to do, you know, all fruits and, and meats. Yeah, there's a certain amount of carbohydrates that a lot of people mm -hmm. that are involved in like very strenuous shit, like mm -hmm. whether it's uh triathletes or somewhere along those lines like yeah. There's a lot of people that try, um, maybe they go with a ketogenic diet. I, I try that a little bit, and I just had no energy. It did not work for me. I've heard that. Like I was yeah. just like, I felt like I was brain dead. How man. long did you do it for? It was like about a couple weeks. And oh, I was yeah. Just See, like, that's the problem. Yeah. You're supposed to wait. You're supposed to not even do anything strenuous for the first three or four weeks. Yeah. To your body transitions <laughs> but over. But in, in my case, I was, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to get ready for fights. So right. I was just yeah. like, dude, I have no energy. Like, I don't know what they to do. They call so it I the just, keto yeah. flu. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my god. It's. Uh, I know some guys have made the transition successfully, and then they um, they compete and they do a lot of things, mm -hmm. burning off fats. Yeah. But I'm, I'm always curious about extreme people, like yeah. people that are doing ultra marathons, people that are doing like things mm -hmm. that are extreme energy requirements yeah. you know yeah well i was living with karen at the time and he was like 
after like a little bit, he's like, dude, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> this shit's not well, working for you. You you need carbs, you need yeah. greens, you need you need that stuff. Otherwise, you're not gonna have any juice, man. Well, if you talk to Mark Sisson, who uh, he calls his diet the primal blueprint, the whole problem with the term paleo is that the Paleolithic era they ate a lot of grains. Yeah, I mean that's it's just not historically accurate. It's not yeah. a good word for it. Yeah, um, but. The people that are successful with it, apparently it require there's a there's a curve where you you go through that keto flu stage for a few mm-hmm. weeks and yeah. then you get better and then you but I've talked to people that never get better i mean I, mean, I yeah. know some friends jujitsu friends that went through the whole process and didn't train hard for three or four mm-hmm. weeks and got themselves to a state of ketosis but just did not feel right yeah i I mean I know it works for like power lifters and stuff like that mm-hmm. and people like that, but it i me as a fighter personally experienced it for a little bit out i just would yeah. not do it again and well you your description shows me that you didn't really get through it yeah the, the that that's <laughs> you can't do it for two weeks i mean yeah. he told me like uh, mark sisson when i did it he told me don't do anything hard for three weeks yeah. don't do anything he's I like think, even yeah. if you're like on the treadmill for 45 minutes just at a slow pace that's probably too much i yes. think that was my mistake you know i was training just as hard as i always do but trying to eat like that i was like yeah it takes your body it takes your body a while apparently to make that adaptation but mm-hmm. it is kind Controversial. I mean, it works for me and it works for some people, but obviously my lifestyle doesn't have the same energy requirements that yeah. your lifestyle does when you're training for fights. Yeah. Like, I mean, like all things, you got to find what works out best for you. That's why mm-hmm. I like, you know, I'll, I'll make the adjustments I feel like I need if I, if I feel like I need some more carbs, or some more mm-hmm. grains on a certain day or going into a certain workout. I'm going to have them. That's why I wouldn't say I have a specific diet because it varies you know it varies mm-hmm. how i'm feeling what's working what's not working you know do you guys I, get blood work done do you get your blood work checked out to I, find I, out where I, your nutrient I levels? actually have uh, uh i've got a buddy in vegas who does that and uh years back um you know i, I had my blood looked at it was messed up man i had a lot of uh plaque in my in my blood and stuff and i was really surprised it looked like i was really unhealthy and i never would have known that if i never had gotten it done and what were you eating at the time just same stuff I'm eating. I I think it was more of a hereditary thing than uh than as far as my diet. Really? Um, yeah, and what got me on a lot of uh like the red algae and and, and uh, I don't remember everything, but it got it completely clear. It was just crazy to see it. Like I could see the blood, and like he showed me it, like you know uh, how it's moving around. So I was like, yeah, there's a big chunk of uh, crystals right there. He's like, that's not good, man. If this gets any worse, I, he was like really surprised by how bad it was. Was this and, guy a doctor or is he like a Healer? No, no. He was a he was a PhD. He's legit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Healer. And There's then, a lot uh, of fucking people. You'd be amazed, like yeah. world class athletes that go to quacks. Uh huh. And you know they'll they'll come back and tell you something. Well, I'm balancing out my alkaline and my energy yeah. and my chakras. You what? Huh? What's going on? Yeah, but I, like I was, it was it was nice to visibly be able to see it. Like him take the blood, put it on thing, but like. So you can see you it in the microscope. Look at, look at is yourself. That what it is? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So yeah, like on a projection up on the wall, and uh, you know, I, I got I cleared it up within like a month or two. What about like vitamin supplementation or things along those lines? Uh, well, now I'm hooked up with On It and all their amazing stuff. So I've been I've been hooked up uh, taking all their multivitamins and, and things like that, which all I think all their stuff's really amazing. Yeah, yeah. we try. Try to get the best shit. Yeah, but. their stuff is awesome. I mean, like I I have days, you know, towards the end of camp that I'm like, dude, like I cannot, like even with my diet and everything, like you're so sore, you you busted your ass for so long, you know, you're like, I just can't. And I've taken that Alpha Brain stuff, and like that stuff puts you on 
for sure. Like it's a great thing to take before workouts. Yeah, and a lot of yeah. people don't think of it as that because it's you think of it as something for for mental energy or yeah. for your memory yeah. or for you know, no clarity. I, yeah, like in spa- yeah. I take it during sparring, and I I feel like I'm. I'm on, like 100%. Well, I feel like um, mental fatigue is a huge factor in physical fatigue. Enormous. Yeah, which is one of the next questions I wanted to talk to you guys about. Um, Sources of inspiration. Do you you actively seek out inspiration? You know, personally, uh, when I was, when was it when I got knocked out? 18, 17? When I got knocked out, you know, I had a really bad time uh, after that. You know, like I said, I was invincible and then I had a really bad weight cut. That happened, and then um, Kieran brought out Kevin to help me out. So Kevin's been my my inspiration for the last you know since he moved out, and every, every, every day just seeing <laughs> this guy, you know how hard he works and how everything he puts on the line every day. Like that's been my my inspiration since since then. You know, I mean, I I knew Kevin before that. Uh, the first the first time I ever saw Kevin, I thought uh, I, I saw Kevin fight. I thought he was gonna lose. He he, he fought Coke. I was supposed to be in that car. The, the fight fell through, and then I watched him. And then I'm talking to Karen on the side. He's like, he was betting against me, man. I was like, who dude, why? I was like, uh, Coke. I was like, dude, what's, what? his, what's his full name? Uh, uh, Chanawat. Yeah. And know. he that was uh, that was when I was like, damn, who's that? Because at first I was like, dude, white boy's about to get smashed. <laughs> <laughs> And Kieran's like, you don't know Kevin Ross, dude. I know Kevin Ross. He's about to smash this guy. And I was like, I was like, after the fight, I was like, dude, that's my new favorite fighter. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> and you get yeah. to train with him. Yeah. Um, what I meant was, uh, do you seek inspiration? Like, do you read books about uh, inspiration? Or do you, do you read uh, anything about mindset or psychology or anything along those lines? Um, I, re- I read a lot. Um, I'd say more more along the lines of uh, biographies and stuff. Like uh, I read M- Mickey Ward's book, which is amazing. And uh, um, uh, what's that? That Unbroken book, which is unbelievable. Um, what's Unbroken? It's the, they made a Angelina Jolie made that movie about it, but it's about uh, uh, what's that freaking guy's name? Is it the runner guy? Yeah, he was a runner, yeah. and then it was a World War. That was a great movie. Two. I thought it was really good. And like, <laughs> oh, that was the Japanese people torturing him, and he yeah, wouldn't give up. dude. But that like, was, read yeah. that book, uh, man. Like, like the movie is like such a small fraction of what this dude went through, and like seeing how much stuff he overcome. Not once, not twice. Like every time you think there's no way this guy can overcome this, did it again, did it again, did it again, did it again. Like. Un- unbelievable stuff man it, it's one of my more favorite books um but like like people like that i'd say i'd seek that out and like look through uh look for stories of inspiration you know not just fighters but uh in any in any art or aspect of life in general um seeing the things that people overcome is as i said earlier you you if you go and look at anyone's story who's ever made it like you can take inspiration for them like seeing the struggles they went through uh it's 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 unbelievable and and you know when we don't know these things we we think of ourselves as the only ones that have to overcome stuff or are dealing with things that that might have slowed us down but you're like well that guy had way worse than i ever did you know what i mean and that's why i've always tried to be very vocal about the things i've struggled with and overcome and like the first highlight video i ever had done for me it was very important for me to show myself getting knocked out and dropped and all these things i'm like everyone just shows these highlights of their life like it gives you a very skewed perception of, of what it is we have to deal with and go through, especially to reach a certain level. Like 
it's it's terrible, man. Let, let, we go through a lot, and people don't know it because you ju- you just see the the end result of all this hard work, and you, you see the glamour and the lights and the the highlights and stuff. But but you don't know what people have overcome with and dealt with things that would crush most people. I think what's uh, really important about um, inspirational videos and books and uh, biographies and things along those lines is it gives you an insight into someone's perspective mm-hmm. that you. You you can find parallels. You yeah. find parallels to your own life, and it, it normalizes some things mm-hmm. that might just seem incredibly confusing because maybe to you it's the first time yeah. you've had to overcome something that's so difficult. Mm-hmm. But then you find out that other people have done it as well, yeah. and it kind of yeah it it you you can you can take a lot of comfort in people that have gone before you. Yeah, like we've all. <laughs> had to overcome something yeah you know what i mean like just sitting down and talking to somebody like hearing their story you know it, it it's it's it can be very inspirational and, and really help you overcome anything you might be facing and, and again that's why i've always been tried to be very vocal about my story and like share some of my fight experiences or, or training experience or life experiences because you know most people don't they don't ever hear that side of 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 fame if you want to call it that like they don't see that we don't it doesn't get put out there like 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 the successes do you know we see everyone's success we don't see their failures well that's one of the things that i think is interesting about you you're obviously a very intelligent guy and you're a guy who's gone through a lot of things but you're also a guy who wants other people to know that you've gone through all these things you're a guy who wants you 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 you're assuming not just this role of a fighter but you're also assuming the role as a mentor and of uh, an example yeah, to well, to those who are coming up. Well, it, it's something that's been very important to me because, like, as I was coming up, you know, pr- you know, before YouTube and everything, like, I didn't really have anyone to look at and be like, "Well, he did it; I can do it too." So it was very. It still is very important to me. One of the most important things to me to show people that they can do it, you know, and to to show people. Um, when I, how late I started and, and where I was and the things I've overcome because when you've, once you've seen that someone's done it before you or similar and overcome these things, it makes it that much easier um, for the next person. Uh, there's a really amazing book called uh, The Rise of Superman and uh, I don't know if you ever read it. They talk about um, – like like the the leaps we've made in in, in athletics, um, you know, they're more talking about like extreme sports. And um, one of the things they were talking about was the uh, you know the four minute mile, and it's like that used to be physically thought of as impossible, whereas now it becomes a requirement for people to do. And like kids in high school are doing it, where where, where <laughs> they used to think of it as like there's no way you can physically do this. Uh, and they're uh, they were, they brought up uh, I think it was like the 900 uh, on a skateboard like it was impossible to do it's like there's no way you can do this and then uh, Tony Hawk or whoever did it and now like eight year old kids can pull this off because you that thing that's viewed as impossible becomes the norm and as soon as that happens you can get to the next level and the next level and the next level and the only way to do that is for someone to break through whatever that impossible thing is and if and if these things aren't put out there and people don't know about them you're still always viewed Doing that 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 barrier as as this is as high as we can go. In that, in that sense, do you think you're, do you do you think of yourself or view yourself as a part of this process? A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. I've always felt like I've always known where. Uh, speaking about Muay Thai, where where the sport could go. Um, you know, coming up, I never thought I'd still be actively doing it while it got out there and got the exposure it's been getting recently. Um, 
but I always knew I would be a person that helped it go along. And that was a huge thing that kept me from ever venturing full time into MMA or into boxing. Cause I was like, there's only a handful of us doing this, me and Joe Schilling and Tiffany and Kai and a, and a lot of other people. I was like, if I, if there's only a handful of us doing this at this level and going out there and, and taking these almost impossible fights and I leave, who, who, who's there to do this? Who's going to do this? I'll be, somebody's got to go through the gate and get bloodied up. You know, that first person has to do it. And uh, I, I can't, like, pass this off on somebody else. I can't give up. Like, that's going to make it that much harder for them. So, yeah, I've always felt like I needed to be the inspiration I wanted to see in the world. Do you, do you find a great benefit in being able to train with him because, because of that? I mean, that before, when we, when we first started uh, training together, I w- dude, I would get this, like, adrenaline dumps when I was sparring <laughs> with him. I was like, I was like, oh, my God, like, this is, I'm sparring with Kevin Ross and then, like, slowly... It would get better, and like now we've become great training partners, and he's been a huge part of my career. Obviously, I mean, yeah, definitely. Well, you're the up and comer, you know. I mean, and then of course you've got guys that are coming up that are are in the same place that you were a few years ago, mm-hmm. and you get to see it now yeah. that it is this sort of long, crazy chain of events in this yeah. process. Mm-hmm. That really, essentially, you only get a couple decades out of it if you're lucky. Yeah. If you're super, super lucky, and it's um, it's such an unbelievably difficult endeavor to do what you guys are doing. And I'm a fucking huge fan. So Thanks, to me, this podcast was awesome. I'm like a kid in a candy store. I hope people got a lot out of it. Hey, we feel the same way, man. We're really happy to be here and, you know, been wanting to do this for a really long time. So this is awesome. Let's do it again sometime, man. Yeah, and maybe absolutely. maybe when you guys aren't fighting, we'll do a fight companion, have some fights on and That'd come in yeah. and we'll talk some shit. That'd be fun, All right. Uh, your Twitter is Bolanos Bolanos Gaston, but your Instagram, dreamkiller underscore Bolanos. And you are the on- Soul Assassin with the D A Soul Assassin. That's my Twitter as well as my Instagram. Beautiful. And uh, Combat Sports Academy. How do they get a hold of your uh, your gym, Kieran? CSA gym everything. CSA gym everywhere. Find it. Google it. You you'll get there. All right, folks. Thank you so much. We'll be back later tonight with uh, Wim Hof. The Iceman returns tonight at eight o'clock. Bye. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into the podcast, and thank you to our sponsors. Thanks to Caveman Coffee. If you hear me fucking going 100 miles an hour right now, talking so fast, it's because I'm jacked up on coffee. Caveman Coffee Nitro. Nitrogenated coffee in a small can form that puts you somewhere on the outer area of the Kuiper belt. 270 milligrams caffeine, these little fucking things, and they're so, they're so yummy if you like coffee. I'm a coffee head. I like that shit. CavemanCoffeeCO.com. Use the code word Rogan. You will save 10% off of their amazing single source, single family, single origin coffee. Awesome company. Awesome people behind it. And uh, the coffee's as good as it gets. CavemanCoffeeCO.com. Use the code word Rogan. We're also brought to you by Squarespace. Build yourself a fucking awesome website, ladies and gentlemen. Don't wait. Don't try to farm it out. Do it yourself. It's easy. And... You could try it for free. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com forward slash Joe to get 10% off your first purchase. That's squarespace.com forward slash Joe. We are also brought to you by my all-time favorite underwear, MeUndies. Go to MeUndies.com forward slash Rogan, R-O-G-A-N. That's me. 
and you will get 20% off your first order. That's MeUndies.com forward slash Rogan. All right, this is uh, podcast one of the day. We'll be back tonight with the great Wim Hof, the Iceman, returns. Uh, That'll be tonight at 8 p.m. Pacific time. So, until then, thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate everybody out there. Hope all is groovy. Send some love your way and a big kiss. Mwah!